0: so chapter six the wedding massacre whatever it's called we're back (laughs) it's kill bill it's kill bill volume two and uh we are now going back in time back in time yeah we're going to the earliest point the movie has shown us yet um i believe the earliest because,
1: point in the bride's history, anyway. Yeah, because well,
0: yeah. later on you see the, earl- the earliest point in the movie is a gag. Yeah, We'll get yeah. to, but um, I And believe- it's funny,
1: like, I mean, there's mention that um this film was shot in chronolo- chronological order, so I wonder if they, in fact, shot that gag first. That I really so doubt fun. it. That'd be so I'm interesting, I'm sure that was right? a quick pickup. <laughs> They're, all right, so the
0: first one is the school classroom, yeah, <laughs> but anyway... Yeah, yeah. Um... yeah, we'll get back to
2: that. Decía que me
0: Play again. Bud, can't you tell time? There ain't nobody in here, man. Yeah. Tell him
3: to get his fucking ass back here. I don't know what car
2: wash You worked before you came here. They let you stroll in 20 minutes late, but it wasn't owned by me, and I own a fucking car wash. Mm. I'm sorry, bud. That was rude of me, wasn't it?
3: Bud, I'd like to introduce my friend, the Black Mamba. Black Mamba?
2: This is Bud. I'm Michael George. Stop it. Get some help. Tony Moto, the terrorists had the president's daughter in the old bean factory.
1: I can't get drunk today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You. Too bad. You. Affected by deadly toxins from cancer infested rats. This spirit is despicable.
2: My <laughs>
0: movie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: What's his
1: name, show? This is Greg Sistero, and you are listening to My Movies Better. So, uh. It's revealed that um, the massacre didn't happen during the wedding, but a wedding rehearsal. Right,
0: yes, because for the first time, we get uh, a narration from Uma herself. Telling us uh, a little bit of background on the event that we already know has happened.
1: Actually, it wasn't the first uh, time. It wasn't the first time? No, no, no. Oh, right. When she was willing her toes, you know, back into functioning. True, true, yeah, true. You, she's narrating, and you should get the bit about Oren. You're right, yeah. you're right.
0: She did narrate already. But it's My been a bad. while. It's been a while. It has, it it's has. It's been a while. But she's back in the narrator's yeah, yeah. chair. And, uh, yeah, so she tells us a little bit about what's going on, and then we see uh, her... Uh, Groom to be Tommy, and her <laughs> friends, and her uh, the the uh, pastor and, and his wife and his wife and, uh, and Samuel the, L. Jackson. Yeah,
1: yeah, the person of color who plays yes. the organ. as uh, they as they didn't say, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> Rufus. Now here's here's the thing, and I'm curious to see what you have to say about it. There's a fan theory that Rufus uh, I've heard this idea. is actually Jules from Pulp Fiction. Yep. During his uh, wandering the earth,
0: it'd be interesting. It'd I think interesting. it's just a
1: really sad way to see that man go. If that were the case, I yeah I and I feel like
0: think even Quentin though he's do le- that.
1: He, even though he's left his life of killing behind him, he would put up a fight in a situation like this. I think much more yeah. so than. I mean, Rufus he might here. just
0: be in a situation where he can't. You know, like um, I, mean, I, they I did think
1: come in with like.
0: Heavy yeah, moves. they had like, I mean, they were assault weapons, so there's yeah. not a lot he's going to do. I also don't know necessarily if he's still packing, if he's now this man of of God. But yeah. I, the, I think that it's interesting just because of where he is being, you know, working in a church. And the <clears> fact, <throat> fact that he says that my one of my favorite lines in the, in the movie, the uh, <laughs> I was with Drifter. I was a drill. I was, he names all these bands <laughs> that he played with. And I was in the gang. I was in like, the gang. Yep. And it's it's a great line because, like, there's all these shout-outs, but if you don't know those bands, it just sounds like he's... It's just nonsense. Yeah, or, yeah. He's, or he's just using colorful language to say <laughs> he was a drifter of some sort. You know, he was, he, he's been on the road a long time. Uh, but I think that what you said at, a few seconds ago is really where I, I put my foot down. I don't think yeah. Qu- Quentin Tarantino would do that to yeah. Jules' character. It
1: would close off the world too much.
0: Yeah. And it would also just... It's, like, not a fitting... It's exactly what you said. It's not a fitting death for that character. It, 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 It makes no sense, and it kind of destroys what he said in Pulp Fiction. See, now I'm thinking, maybe it means
3: you're the evil man, and I'm the righteous man. And Mr. Nine Millimeter here, he's the shepherd protecting my righteous ass in the valley of darkness. Or it could mean you're the righteous man, and I'm the shepherd. And it's the world that's evil and selfish. Now, I'd like that. But that shit ain't the truth. The truth is, you're the weak, and I am the tyranny of evil men. But I'm trying, Ringo.
0: I'm trying
3: real hard to be the shepherd.
0: So I, I just, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't like it. So I, I'm going to kind of fall on the side of, no, I don't think that's what happened. But yeah. fan theories are always fun for that where, you know, you can kind of think about it. And seems like
1: there's a certain contingent on the internet that wants everything to be connected. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and that's just not how it is. And, and things can be connected without being, you know, exactly that. That's a hundred percent the truth. It's like, well, maybe the character is inspired by that and is has connections to that character for that very reason because yeah. it's played by the same guy and you're supposed to think that but it it's it's not it's just some guy rufus you know
1: plus uh this was uh pre MCU so um yeah
0: yeah yeah he wasn't people yeah, don't do that yet and he wasn't nick fury yet <laughs> yeah
1: he's not going to show up at the end of this one
0: right so uh yeah we we see bill uh we see Carradine's face for the first time he uh walks on up there and has a conversation with her. Uh, seems like he's okay with what's going on. And this falls back into what I was saying before uh, in part one about how Bill acts like he's not a rat or a dog or whatever you want to call it. He seems it. like a
1: man of honor. But maybe. he's not. No, he's not. But
0: he's not. He acts like he is. And that whole scene is is really a great you know, uh, reference to that because he tells her pretty much what she wants to hear and you know he's sizing up his ex's bow yep to see if he's a, if he's a dangerous or not and realizes oh this is going to be easy this is going to be a slaughter and then lets them slaughter everyone and you realize like if bill was such a tough guy and was all about honor he would have gone in there and shot her himself and tried to do it himself but no he uses his superior numbers and his superior guns and...
1: superior uh superior uh what is it but yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> his his superiority his in superiority. general, yeah. yeah, his and I think again his male dominance and he squashes her. I also think it's interesting that she like does that little like oh this is my father. That's another interesting <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know. And he gives this look. Yeah, yeah superior
1: like, okay. firepower. Yeah, he's like yeah. Mm-hmm. superior firepower. Mm-hmm. There yeah, are. there you go. <laughs>
0: Uh, So after he goes in, he meets Tommy, and uh, we have a, uh, you know, what seems like everything's fine, but obviously you know what's about to happen next.
1: And uh, (laughs) the bride and uh, Bill here, they kiss each other on the mouth, like, twice.
0: Twice, and he doesn't kiss her back. That's great. He just stone faces it. And then again, (laughs) another, she should have seen that as a warning, that things weren't right. And the camera does this great trick where it starts out inside... uh, the doorway and it just uh, dollies out Yeah, and f- pulls back behind the deadly viper assassination squad and they do what they are here to do and kill everyone and so now we have seen again we've seen the origin but now it's like we've seen through new eyes we now really see why I think uh, Uma or, or, I guess I could just call her that from now on since we're in part two now well, wait. No, we we should wait until the okay. We'll wait till the review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do we do know that uh, you, we have a, a, a qualifier for the exact nature of her revenge, more so than just that Bill did what he did, but the way he did it, the way the people involved, you see the faces of the people he killed. And I think that's really important.
1: It's just really shitty.
0: Yeah. Her friends having that little brief moment of just, it's really, it's nice that scene again, it's another sort of ice cream scene, like with the scene with Sonny Chiba, where it's then broken by just, you know, you you already know what's going to happen. And, and you forget for like a second because of just how mundane everything feels. It's just another day in their life. Well, he does
1: this a lot um, yeah. in that, you know, the violence is coming like in other movies, other one in other Tarantino movies. Tarantino does this a lot, too. Violence is on its way.
2: Why the need for so much gruesome graphic violence? Why not let us because imagine? Because it's so it? much fun, Jan. Get it.
1: Yep. And you have these quiet moments and he's just steadily building the tension. And, you know, at any minute, it could just explode.
0: Right. <laughs> Yeah, um, a great example, and and he loves to use comedy in those scenes too. Like for instance, Bruce Willis looking through the weapons while you're audibly hearing what's going on with Marcellus downstairs. Yeah, yeah, the just there's so much going on there, but you're like, (laughs) (laughs) oh my god, like what the fuck? Like and so (laughs) this this scene is very squirmy to me, even though it's not. You know, if you were to watch it without seeing anything else, if this was the first scene in the movie. It oh, would man. just be like, oh, okay, this is really mundane. And that this would be, essentially, the first scene of most revenge-style movies, where you get to see the character before, and what they were like when they were innocent. Yeah. And she is very... She plays that up a lot in this scene, uh, in the scene before she goes to see Paime, It She plays... There's this... I mean, Uma does. She plays up this, like, innocent sort of side to... Before she became really the stone cold killer and that you know bill's uh acts and his actions caused her to become the most deadly woman in the world for real for real yeah <laughs> so uh, after this scene when where do we Oh, that's we go back we get to the present the present yes and
1: bill has a uh, message for his brother. Bud. Yes,
0: Bud, who lives in a trailer in oh, the California poor, desert. poor Bud. Yep, he's a bouncer at a stripper bar. We'll come to find out. But yes, he's, he's out of out, shape. He's out of very practice. out of shape, out of practice. He has. He tells his brother he has hawked his Hatori Hanzo. Away. Yeah, his Hatori Hanzo, priceless. Hattori you Hanzo so you,
1: sewed, you, you hawked this priceless sword?
0: <laughs> it ain't priceless in El Paso. You <laughs> got apparently 250, it 250 yeah. for it. <laughs> Two hundred fifty bucks. Yep, um, and uh, he oh, seems man. he he's one of my favorite characters in this, and we talked about it a little bit when we were watching it. Uh, right off the bat, yeah, he he's, is exuding just
1: remorse about this mm-hmm. entire situation,
0: and it's very different from e- each one of. It feels like each one of these characters uh, in the the Hit Squad they they came to their. You know, the their part in this revenge plot in a different way, and they yeah. dealt with it in a different way. So, like, Vernita Green just tried to hide away from it and be someone else. All uh, Rand to o- the opposite. Yep, and she's very public about being a killer. stone code yeah. killer that she is. And Elle has become the replacement for Uma and Bill's mistress. And uh, Bill is. I Bud. mean, Bud is. Uh, Bud is. Drinking, what is out of the game? Yeah, and he, he's drinking himself to death, basically, in the desert. How many times have
2: you heard someone say? If I had his money, I could do that. And he mine. actually... I love that line. I love, yeah. I love that line. Uh, that woman but they know. and...
0: We deserve to die. Yep. That so delivered very well, die. and it says so much about the character <laughs> that, like, he still he still fights for it, but, but even when he I fights for it, as you'll see, he also gives her a way out because he knows, Once like he said I deep down, she deserves to kill all of them, him including himself. And, hmm. and I also like how he's like, Everything I told he, he essentially says, I don't know if it's to him or if he says it to Elle. He's like, I told you not to mess around with her. Like, I knew it from when he, when you saw her, that like, she was different. Blah, blah, blah. Like, there's some line about how like he knew she was trouble from the second he met her, and that.
1: Oh, uh, he tells, he tells Bill that uh, she's too smart for a blonde. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's L. He tells that to. Yeah. Cause oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, because it's like a
0: underhanded jab at her. Yeah. At her. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so Bud, Bud is working at. Uh, oh man. Working at a titty bar, as they may call it, a strip joint that the, the,
1: uh, it's like the la la or something yeah yeah, something yeah stupid the, like that. The, <laughs> the, the the like me oh my or something yeah yeah
0: <laughs> and uh he's uh his boss is another one of my favorite characters larry 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 is doing coke with one of his strippers, and again another shout out to this uh man <laughs> a man in 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 position of power over women uh-huh because uh, not only obviously he runs this strip bar and uh it shows him, you know, doing coke with her and he's the one supplying it, and also Sheila's like, Can I should I leave? And he's like, You stay right here. Yeah, you there. stay right here. Yeah. Yeah. More themes of like control. Oh, and the bartender is um Oops. you know a favorite among genre
1: fans, uh Sid, Sid Hague. Sid Haig, yeah. Yeah. He's got like a minute of screen time. Yeah,
0: I think he has two lines maybe. <laughs> maybe one. Yeah. It's great. Like what Wait, what are you doing, bud? You're late. You're late. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, Sid. So, yeah, that's, I love this scene. It, it again, kind of, it makes you, uh, I think it's a classic thing you see in a lot of, of revenge flicks. It's the, the character who's deserved of revenge that then the, the movie goes, oh, but wait, you might want to feel bad for this one. You might want to yeah. just feel a little bit bad. And uh, what really goes a long
1: way is a bit of music from yet another movie soundtrack that uh, Tarantino loves to pull from. Um, Tarantino loves to pull from other soundtracks. Bud actually has a recurring theme, um, and it's from a movie called Lo Stranzo Vizio della Signora Vard, or uh, The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, originally released in the U.S. with a catchier title, Blade of the Ripper.
0: Whoa, no wonder he watched that movie. (laughs) I would, do.
1: It's described as a giallo murder mystery film from 1971 and uh, the theme is just this very mournful vocal theme yeah that they use for bud and it sounds very spaghetti western and i was surprised to find that yep it actually belongs to a giallo movie
0: Another great shout out to another great style and series, but used totally differently. In a completely different context.
1: And you you hear it twice for Bud when he's first
0: introduced and uh, when he's driving home from work. Exactly. And so, uh, yeah. So he gets a uh, sad. Sad life. He gets like not fired. Fired. He gets like told the to sent. Be, he gets sent home by Larry. And we'll his... we'll call you when no, I'll yeah, call you when yeah. I need you. I love it. He's like when he's like, "Oh, you working tomorrow? Yeah, not. Yeah, fucking, yeah no. You no. don't even know what day you work. <laughs> like it just so, the way he delivers everything is so great. Uh, and I also love how there's like a shotgun prominently oh. displayed behind him throughout the whole scene. Oh yeah, yeah. Just just you know power dynamics. Definitely. Yeah. And so. Uh, yeah, you start to kind of I feel I feel like the film really makes you want to you feel for Bud. Um he's definitely dealing with this in a much different way. But you again, you know what's going to happen. And so he comes back home and uh he's got a, a snake under his porch, a black mamba. A <laughs> black mamba. Yeah, all she's got her balaclava no. on and she's uh she's got her sword and she's going to kill him. And she's peeking through uh little slit under the door yeah, and i love that no you see move. his feet and yeah you see his feet you, you get uh, you get some uh, you get some johnny deep cash. cut johnny cash yeah great johnny cash song it's a also a it's from a particular recording too because it's a uh, non-band recorded song it is a yeah. just johnny and a guitar so very very cool it's also a record Which I think is a nice touch. Um, And uh, at one point, Bud stops the record because he hears something. He looks outside. And then he actually puts it back. He puts the needle back to the beginning of the song. He starts the song over again. I just thought that was a nice little touch. Um, But when Uma decides to bust her way through the door, sword in hand, well, she's got another thing coming for her because Bud's waiting. She blasts her with a. Yeah two shells of rock salt rock salt right into the boobs uh, and uh and so he has caught the uh what did he say the cowgirl that the, the cowgirl who
1: uh, ain't never been caught yeah, great line
0: <laughs> and yeah so he calls up l to gloat a little bit but also to immediately sell her sword and i love how quickly he's <laughs> like, got a brand new. Yeah. Hitari Hanzo sword here. Yeah, he literally shoots her, fucking gloats a little bit, <laughs> throws a, he puts, you know, some knockout, he, you know, puts a syringe of some sort of knockout stuff into her butt to, to tranquilize her, and then he immediately is like, hey, you want to buy this sword for a million bucks? For one million dollars. Yep. Uh, and so they make a deal, and they're going to do a deal, and she's like, make sure that bitch suffers, and he's like, I can damn well guarantee Oh, Oh, uh,
1: that. to her last breath. Which yes, is a to bit realize, of foreshadowing to mm-hmm. what happens next.
0: Mm-hmm. And what happens next is. Well, the screen shrinks to a uh, very tiny yes. aspect ratio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden it's like Halzu. It? It's like you got a very <laughs> small aspect ratio. You're like Okay. It's, only, I, it's weird because it's the only time <laughs> yeah, it didn't do this. In this. And okay. I always find that weird when a director does that one time. Like, yeah. at least in 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 like you know to bring up house again uh in in that film it's like he does it a lot so it it becomes a stylistic thing but when you do it once and it's just weird sometimes but at the same time that's also what he did with uh pulp fiction with that the box thing, which we didn't mention uma did that in this film too in the vernita green scene but in the pulp fiction there's the actual lines that just appear on screen when she does it and it's just (laughs) okay and it never happens again but it's a little touch that I think is interesting and I think he does that stuff really well. Oh wow. So, and so
1: she's, you get these out of context shots of um, the bride. Mm -hmm. You have no idea where she is. You can't place the location and this just kind of mimics what must be going through her head. Right. And then Bud drags her out of wherever she was and it turns out wherever she was, was the back of his pickup truck. Yep. And the aspect ratio fills up
0: the screen again. Yeah. And I love that little series. So it cuts to, it cuts to the, like, widening shot. She yeah. gets pulled out. And then there's a hard cut right to him throwing her. And it's like, again, it feels like you're using the, that the kung fu. And instead of doing that for a punch, you're doing it for other shots and other physical stuff. And that particular one was really good. You're like, ooh, it ooh, like, happens so it. fast. You yeah. feel it. Yeah. And it, 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 it like you could do it regularly by just throwing, you know, Zoe Bell onto the ground. But it looks better when you do that cut like that. It's it's like impossibly quick. Um, but yeah, so she's uh, he's out with his buddy uh, who's I believe he's a small person actor. Um, well, he's
1: at least a foot and a half shorter than uh, yeah, Michael Parks. Yeah. And we uh, not Michael Parks. Um, Michael Madsen. Michael
0: Madsen. Yeah. And he's uh, they're digging a hole. In a graveyard for the bride. At and the grave
1: of uh, one Paula Schultz.
0: Paula Schultz, yeah. Hmm, who else in the... Wait a minute. Isn't there someone else who has the name Schultz something? Well,
1: um, his, name, his name was King. Yeah. Lo Shavalo King. Yeah,
0: Shavalo, exactly. Shavalo hmm. King. <laughs> yes, uh, I believe yeah. that that was an intended reference, again, if nothing else but to make people talk about it. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, I'll name this character Schultz, too, in this other Western. <laughs> and maybe people are like, hmm, I wonder. Um, so, yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, Dr. King Schultz, uh, Christoph Waltz's character from uh, dentist Django. dentist turned bounty hunter. Yes. His name was Schultz as well. And there's a theory that that is someone related to him, possibly even his wife, who was killed.
1: Yeah, the dates on the gravestone um, seem to match up with that time period. Right, right.
0: So uh, there, if you <laughs> can't tell, they're burying her in this grave. You're burying in a her alive in a wooden yes. box. Um she and struggles for a bit. Yes, but he then says, "Look, I was a, uh, I'm gonna, I got a can of mace. Either I was gonna give you this flashlight, or I'm gonna empty this can of mace into your eyeballs and <laughs> burn then, your eyeballs yep, out. and you're going in the ground. Either way, she smartly chooses the, the flashlight. flashlight. So once again, you have a male power dynamic over Oof. a woman, but you also have him giving her another way out giving her a bit of mercy yeah yeah and also a way it seems like being like it's it's he's honorable he's honorable in the sense that it's like giving her it's like all right i'm gonna lock you in a dungeon with a bunch of skeletons that are gonna come to life and fight you but i'm gonna give you a sword (laughs) so like you could get out of it if you're good enough you know what i mean it's like the test that the villain gives the hero that gives them an honorable chance even if it's there's dishonor involved in it they still are like but i'll give you a tool that would help you normally i could have just left you here and you would have died but like i'll give you this flashlight and yes it's merciful but it also could essentially i'm giving you chances to help you but at the same time i'm still keeping your legs and hands tied so you're still trapped like
1: but hey you know i haven't done my brother wrong
0: Mm. yeah you you shouldn't have broken broken my brother's heart this is for my brother they and, meticulously
1: uh, nail her shut, right? in the wooden box. Yep, and they toss the her in there. Everything goes. goes black,
0: and yeah, all you hear is just the dirt the piling thud. on. Oh, the thuds and the, just the <laughs> dirt falling, and uh, she's she whimpers a bit. She turns the light on,
1: and I notice this. Uh, it's in black and white.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty striking. Yep, and uh, she shuts the light off, and now we get. Part
1: seven, right? Chapter seven. Chapter seven. The cruel tutelage of Piney.
0: Pi my personal, personal, one of my, <laughs> if not my favorite, section of the whole experience is this. Um, you were talking earlier about how the movie does a really good job at recreating oh, the yeah. styles. Oh my God! We are going straight <laughs> up, Kung Fu mo- Shaw Brothers. But, Kung Shaw Kung Brothers fu. Kung Fu. So many, so many of those. Like the camera would, sh- it would zoom in on him, and he'd be like, "Ha! Huh. Oh, <laughs> like, he's stroking his beard. Yeah, stroking yeah. his beard away.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so good.
0: So we're now back to. Oh yes, you're right. Because this is actually even further. Than the than the, uh, than the wedding wedding yeah. scene. We're now back at the earliest point this movie has been at so far, back when uh, Bill and and, and, uh, and uh, Beatrice were together.
1: They were on much better terms. Mm-hmm. Bill and is telling Beatrix this very um, uh, a story about ancient China. Once yeah. upon a time in China.
0: Once upon a time in China. In, yeah. Like w-
1: <laughs> what did he say? Like there was a Shaolin the monk. year like, oh, yeah. Like, he was very specific. It's, it's like one odd, odd, six or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> one double, odd, six. And again,
0: m- m- melding the styles of the Kung Fu and the Western together with great effect.
1: He tells it in a very meticulous way. I'm mm-hmm. just going to breeze through it. It's, it's a story that just supplies some color to um, what, uh, what Pai Mei is all about. Right. He's a Taoist priest. Tao, uh, the Taoist priests in these Kung Fu movies hate the Shaolin, they are yeah. the
0: bad guys, usually. Yeah,
1: um, Wu Tang, it's the whole Wu Tang mm-hmm. Shaolin dynamic, and um, it's the story of the massacre of the Shaolin temple because a monk that Pai Mei passed in the road didn't acknowledge Pai Mei's little nod that he yep. gave to the monk.
0: He and I love <laughs> that he even he qualifies that with uh, Bill. I mean, he says. The monk monk might not have even noticed that yeah. he did it. Like he might have just not seen it, but, but it, it didn't. But this matter. was such a generous yep. gesture yep. from this Taoist priest. And it was such an insult that he next day he went back there and he
1: He demanded <laughs> the neck of the of the head
0: abbot. Great. Right. He tried <laughs> to tried to calm him down and instead he killed <laughs> everyone. <laughs> and so, yeah, you automatically know that Pai Mei is not to be messed with. because Bill tells this story about a Shaolin monk who ran afoul of pa- Mei. So I will say right now, guys, we just <laughs> recorded a bunch of audio that I lost because my uh, recorder is full um, of data. So uh, this is a little reminder to you out there to always erase the data on your uh, recorder when you're <laughs> recording stuff. But so, Pai, so Bill's telling the story. <laughs>
1: it's the year one double lot six, yes. according to Bill, I think.
0: Yes. Uh, and, Pai uh, Mei
1: is walking down the road. Mm-hmm. He's a Taoist priest, and he runs into a Shaolin monk. And famously, the Shaolin and the Taoists, uh, famously the Wu Tang, they hate each other. Yeah, they're mortal enemies. Exactly.
0: In all those movies, the they're the bad guys, basically. Doe
1: makes the point that Pai Mei was very generous in just giving the Shaolin monk the slightest of nods, and the Shaolin monk did not return the nod, and it's <laughs> unclear whether he just didn't see
0: it, exactly, or if it was a flagrant attack. But that does not matter to Pai Mei because Pai Mei is well you're gonna find out what kind of guy he is well he goes right to the shell and temple
1: and uh he kills everyone yes yeah. he, he's like hey I and want... he's a man that's capable of that
0: yeah yeah so you're you're already yeah you're given this idea that he's he's bad news bears and he's, yeah and and she's going to be training under him and bill like warns her she's pretty flippant about it but bill like warns her hey this is for real this guy will rip your fucking eye out
1: yeah he uh also, does not like Caucasians. Mm-hmm. Uh, does not like Americans.
0: <laughs> and hates women. Hates women. <laughs> so, yeah, she's real screwed. But we also know that because of the predicament she's in, that this is possibly our little training montage scene. So now uh, she, she's at Paime's temple, and uh, we see. Mei for the first time it's
1: played by our buddy gordon yes Liu.
0: gordon Liu is back in the film and, and it's incredibly uh, ironic
1: casting because um when he starred in the shaw brothers movies uh when he was younger all those old kung fu movies he would always play shaolin monk exactly fighting
0: guys like Mei. exactly and yeah because even i was thinking about it now uh, Mei is sort of similar to the um the monk in the uh, fucking flying guillotine oh yeah where he's like got the same sort of beard, he's like crazy and and like kind of mad with his power. And I always <laughs> felt like Sha- Shaolin was always trying to be like no, we teach you to like use your power for like to be like part of the natural world and like, you know, use it for good and to stuff. to keep the peace. Right. Yeah. It's very like yeah, it's very I mean cuz I'm I'm pretty sure that some of this style of film, maybe older versions of it was also uh inspired lucas a little bit with the jedi order oh yeah uh you know using using your your martial arts power for good or for evil and so uh let's see what happened what where where, where, and so um what happens after that
1: (laughs) the the bride and pi may exchange some words and uh it's hilarious oh, yeah. in that Pai speaks Cantonese. Um, I happen to speak Cantonese. Perfect. And I noticed that um, a lot of the subtitles are slightly off. Right. Or uh, completely
0: different. <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: just one moment where uh, Pai asking why the bride is speechless. You know, cat got your tongue. And I keep on missing those subtitles because as I'm intently listening to the Cantonese. Right, right. He's insulting her for being out of breath from climbing all the stairs. He also compares her to a cripple at one point.
0: Well, and I love how, like, y- I wouldn't know that as a, you know, a non-speaker, <laughs> and as an American, that scene, like I, I can only imagine watching a film where, like, I, I don't know, for me it would be German, I can, like, read German, <laughs> and if I heard a film in english but it was subtitled in german and i was like wait wait a minute wait th- no no no, no, no that's, a, that, that's that's not that's not dare, right. that's yeah. not dare that like no <laughs> <laughs> that's wrong uh they're saying something completely different yeah it's such a w- different experience you know than for me i'm just like oh yeah yeah that's i'm sure that's what he's saying you know so, you trust I mean, the film
1: the subtitles aren't necessarily um i, I, I don't know like i, I guess He's just more insulting when you yeah. know the Cantonese, which yeah, is hilarious. Exactly. He's not any less insulting. Right. The subtitles and... aren't adding any flavor, so to Right. Speak.
0: <laughs> so he begins to train her. Well, I guess first they have a little fight scene because he wants to, like, see what she's got. And she's like, oh, well, I train in the sword and, and I know uh, tiger claw style. He's like, all right, let's, let's see it. And uh, so he thoroughly beats her by not, like, using his arms
1: Oh, yeah, and uh, it's a. You see this in a lot of those old school sh- uh, kung fu movies, and I don't really get what it is. She tries to kick him in the crotch. And. His body just kind of absorbs her foot.
0: Yeah, I felt like it was. I almost. I always thought it was that he like caught it with his knees or his leg. Like that's how strong his legs are. He's like, and he like caught her. her I think leg. more
1: freakily, he actually caught it with his torso. Or yeah, or like yeah, with his with his balls. He's <laughs> just like my I have balls of steel.
0: Yeah, he just absorbs the hit. Um, oh, and it, there's also a, there's another really great. Uh, cuz i like, like like i said it seems like he does that that like non fighting like it's that superior kung fu oh yeah it's where the
1: one arm tied behind yeah, my back he like
0: shoulders her at one point and, and yeah. she like goes flying you know <laughs> and uh, obviously he does like the matrix style he jumps he up lands and lands on, on the sword. On, on the tip of her sword yep, and so kicks good. her in the face. so good yeah so you can thank now you, you can see Yun my foot <laughs> thank you
1: unwhipping uh, stunt team exactly
0: Um, And at one point she picks up a rock when he turns his back and tries to hit him with it. And he's like, whoa, no, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, he threatens to uh, break off her arm. Yeah.
0: Or you said so you said he said rip her arm off.
1: I think that's what he said. I have to rewatch it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So she's like, "Okay, you know, no, no, I was wrong. You can kill me. And uh, and he's like, "Okay, I think I'll train you, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> and his training is pretty interesting. It's basically carry water up a hill, uh, punch a board. Three inches in front of you. Yep, that's three inches in front of you. And uh, and d- do the shadow silhouette kung fu in the same room <laughs> where they shot that other silhouette thing, I'm sure. Yeah, in that room <laughs> yeah. with g- that g- backdrop. G- yeah, give me red this time. <laughs> um, which it looks is really cool. Yeah. It looks really cool. There's a, it might have even been Once Upon a Time in China. There's another movie that did that, like, famously, where it was the two people, like, training together, and then it was... Remember, there's, like, they both do, like, a flying kick, and it was a, a you know, freeze frame on that. Like, there's a famous kung fu movie that I felt like that was a shout-out to. It I mean, have...
1: there's all that beach stuff in uh, Once yeah. Upon a Time in China.
0: Yeah, that's true. There It might have even been, like, a Bruce Lee thing or something, but... Hmm. um so uh, and also uh she she damages her hand from her training so, so much.
1: badly that she can't hold she a set of chopsticks. chopsticks. Yeah. Oh man.
0: And uh g- great little scene uh, where as you said she earlier she uh sh- he shows his grand generosity by she picks up the rice with her hand after not being able to use the chopsticks and he she tosses tosses that
1: bowl of rice yeah, on the floor.
0: And he's like no if you're going to be a dog then be a dog yeah, you're going to be Yeah. You on the floor. Yeah. And then passes her his bowl of rice, which is such a generous yeah, exactly. gesture from, <laughs> even though it's his yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's that's also an interesting scene to me. We'll get back to it a little bit later uh, when in 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 how he he ends up dying in oh, the film. Yes. We'll get oh, to oh man, so poor uh,
1: miserable old fool
0: at at about, at about that point. It, that's sort of the end of this this oh, when we come back sequence. to the present. When we come back to the present, yes. Uh, and she uses her powers that she has learned to bust out um, in in a very interesting. she maneuvers scene. the
1: knife out of her boot. Yep. she cuts her bindings. and she starts using that three inch punch. exactly. Oh, oh and uh, actually, before we get too far ahead, uh, we'd be remiss not to. En- not to mention the secret technique
0: oh yeah oh yeah we did and totally all of these about that. uh
1: movies and Pai meza character from various uh kung fu movies in the past he'd always be using some secret forbidden technique some super death move yep
0: yep or and, a uh, flying guillotine maybe, oh, yeah, <laughs> <or> maybe some <laughs> forbidden weapons. yes exactly And this one is the five-point palm exploding heart technique.
1: And that just rolls
0: off the tongue. It does. Yeah, it just certainly does. Yeah, so Bill uh, explains to her that this is – he could touch you at five points on your body. Five pressure points. Yes, and then you would take five steps. I love (laughs) – it's another thing that's really (laughs) – honestly, it's a big thing in in a lot of uh, Asian stuff that I've noticed. Video games, movies, anime, like television – where numbers... You num- count the num- number of moves, the number of yeah. steps. Numerology is really important. Like, you notice how, like, in anime, like, there's always... Or in a Japanese yeah. video game, you have that, like, the, the nine captains or the fucking... The, the well, ten for, lords.
1: Uh, for these kung fu things, when, you know, it's five steps or I can defeat you in five moves yep, or yep. I can defeat you in ten moves, it's always used just for gloating. Yeah, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> I, oh, 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 oh. I'm the best, yeah. <laughs>
0: And uh so yeah he's this technique will kill anyone once you take those five steps your heart explodes yeah. and you die
1: and Mei teaches this to no one because to no one. according to Bill anyway yes because
0: Bill was never taught this technique right. so Bill could never would never believe anyone is better than mm. him uh, other than Paime. because Paime is almost godlike i feel like in the context of this movie he's the only person that i feel like Bill is subservient to other than, you know, Beatrix at the end. Yeah. But, like, throughout the movie, you never see him being, like, lesser than someone. This is the only person who's been above Bill, and he's, like, a godlike, perhaps immortal, perhaps very, very old, at least, warrior who's lived, like, through his, like, you know, mastering of chi I mean, or Taoism. Hai or...
1: Mei, presuming it's not a title. I mean, it's literally, um, white eyebrows. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> presumably it's the same Pai Mei from bill's story the Pai Mei of uh one double lot six yeah which means he's been around for over a thousand years
0: exactly and it's but it's also i think a shout out to like the characters like that um one one good example i could use to mention again once upon a time in china but also used in drunken master um oh, i'm forgetting his name now uh it's like yeah. wong, wong fei hung yes yeah. uh So like they they're similar to uh, Buffalo Bill or characters like that in American Westerns that were real people who then became larger than life characters in like they
1: become um, they become legends. Yeah. Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. They're folklore characters. And I, I feel like Pai Mei feels like that, where it's like he could he could be like an immortal who has lived for centuries because he's like mastered, you know, key. And he like whatever he's he's got like the magical secret of life. But also, I think the Taoism connection is interesting because like Taoism has sort of like a sorcerer like aspect yeah. to it. In I mean, in it's all uh, um, elements. Right, right. So that's another like interesting, I don't know, way of looking at the character. But mm. I do think it's interesting that that Bill is subservient to this godlike character because he treats <laughs> the rest of the movie. He's treated like he is God, essentially. <laughs> so after this. Uh, yes. Yeah, so she gets out of the ground uh, in a great little scene. She crawls up out of the dirt and uh we get a Set nice
1: a theme from uh Morricone, yes. score from the mercenary yes the 1968 Merc- spaghetti western starring django django uh franco nero <laughs> yes the original django
0: yeah and uh it's that very is another triumphant very triumphant yeah great <laughs> piece of music and really really fits that scene so well I love how I feel like Tarantino definitely saw stuff in movies years ago and was like, I got to use this someday and has like a journal of like musical themes that he's heard over the years or songs he's heard and he just waits for a chance to use them.
1: I think he actually has like a whole collection of uh, original tracks from uh, all those Spaghetti Westerns. That is awesome. I think he has uh, access to back catalogs that aren't like sold in retail. Right, right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So, uh, this is then the point where she, oh yeah, she, uh, we have a little diner interlude (laughs) where she comes looking like Pigpen from Peanuts walking across the street. Yeah. Exactly. And walks (laughs) into a diner and asks for a glass of water and that's it. And then it cuts. And (laughs) we are, uh, so is this, now we're into the next chapter, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is, uh, this is... Not the final chapter, but this is the penultimate chapter. Chapter 9. Chapter 9. L
1: yes. and I.
0: And this is the trailer chapter, I also call it. <laughs> so this is when we get to really see a lot more of Bud and L. And uh, and we come back around to our revenge plot once again. We've kind of yeah. taken a, a, um, a vacation from it with what happened with Bud. And it honestly, it's kind of one of my knocks against the movie. I, l- I love the movie in general, but I, I, always, I felt the pacing of where the, the, the scene where she gets put in the ground is weird in, in context with the Paimé scene and then with the scenes that follow it. I liked it watching it more now when I watched yeah. it again, but it, for before it was always one of my things I felt like it dragged a little bit.
1: As a standalone theatrical experience, I feel like volume two, this last set of chapters is pretty weak but yeah. taken with the greater context of everything it works better as a whole
0: totally yeah because you've just had this like huge fight scene and now you have kind of a a long interlude till you get to your next big fight scene
1: and so much of this uh pacing wise is just kind of a calm down to you know the house of blue leaves from uh, volume one yep and all exactly. the action that happens yeah
0: but we're about to get more action. Exactly. We're now going to go yeah. back to the action. So, so L
1: drives to uh, Bud's trailer, mm-hmm. set to this really rockin' theme from uh, another movie. Yep. <laughs> and then you get this smash cut. To uh, The Bride, wandering through the desert, set to another track that sounds completely different, very spaghetti western. Except it's not from Spaghetti spaghetti Western. It's from the same movie. And both of these tracks are from the same movie. This is a really fun thing that I found in the research. A uh, 1970 French-Italian thriller called Road to Selena, described as a tale of incest and murder.
0: Ooh.
1: Oh. (laughs) Ah, the 70s.
0: Yes. Oh, man. Another another great track. I mean, I'm going to say it over and over again, but yeah, another great piece of music that really fits everything that's going on. And uh, but again, comes from somewhere so different and used yeah. for such a different purpose.
1: Like, I always thought, like until I did the research here, that um, it was sourced from the spaghetti western. Mm-hmm. It sounds so spaghetti western. Same. But, I thought uh, it,
0: I thought it was more Conan. So yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> There's a couple that I was like, this one's more, and you're like, nope. And I was like, oh man. Yeah, completely different genres. Yep. So, uh, Elle has come to, as we said earlier, she's come to buy the samurai sword with a million bucks in cold hard cash and uh, and kind of wrap up, I guess, the, the loose ends with the bride and with Bud. And uh, as Bud is making some ice cold margaritas. Yeah, he he asks, I think, the quintessential question. Which are, are you filled with? Yeah, are you filled with regret or are you filled with relief? Well, relief or regret, he says.
1: Because um, as Bud says, uh, the number one killer of people is retirement. Exactly. Which is a very interesting mm-hmm. notion. I like. Especially considering
0: all these, all these killers. Yeah, yeah, I like where this is placed in this movie.
1: Uh, I mean, going back, um, you get Vernita Green, who mm-hmm. became a suburban housewife. Yep,
0: she's hiding.
1: She's hiding. You know, she's a soccer mom essentially, mm-hmm. and uh, that's, I guess, one path to retirement.
0: Right. Oren oh, is like living a life of luxury, but also living her violent life out in the open in the public view embracing who she is inside and uh uh bud is as we said you know before he's drinking himself to death and ellie is uh replaced beatrix they've all moved into different into like different um occupations or roles or different stations it. in
1: life yeah way. yeah and I mean, you look at some of the um, other figures that aren't that are tangentially tied to the Deadly Vipers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get uh, Hatori Hanzo, who's now a sushi chef.
0: Yep, and is also living in retirement and or retirement from the game, I guess you could say.
1: You get uh, Pai Mei, who's just an angry
0: recluse. Mm-hmm. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, I think that this is really, like I said, it's it's what. What do you film... do in retirement? What do you do? What do you do when when you have nothing left to work for or live for? And really, what do you do when you're at the end of your revenge story? I think this is going to come back around in the final conversation uh, between Beatrix and and Bill. But it's the most major theme, more so than revenge. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call this a revenge movie as much as I would go further with that and say that this is a deconstruction or... Something along those lines of the revenge genre using the most important, you know, uh, aspects of that genre and themes and styles in that genre and putting them all together to talk about or look at what revenge really means. I know in a lot of revenge films, that's like a big theme in them. But I think that this is really what the film is. This one, they really they really hammered home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so uh El says that she's full of regret. She Af- is. after some goading from
0: yeah. uh Bud. She is. But she doesn't explain it at first.
1: No, she doesn't. No. And <laughs> and
0: so Bud gets one little jab in at her saying that uh
1: He always thought that um that, that Beatrix was too smart for a blonde.
0: Yep, yep. And uh so For he a goes, blonde Yeah, for a blonde <laughs> she was pretty smart for a blonde. And he goes over to look in his money. And, and
1: Elle I uh, just kind of yeah peers at that She's like, "Come on. You know, <laughs> you know open kind it." of side-eyeing
0: him. Look at the money. And yeah, inside he's got a snake inside of his million dollars. A black mamba. A black mamba, yeah. And it bites him on the face. It strikes him several times. He has a great a great little scene where he takes some uh does some good good like physical acting. Oh, yeah. Falling falling around, falling down, breaking like a chair under him or something. Really well done. And uh, El explains to him, oh, yeah, I am filled with regret. I'm filled with regret the fact that the greatest warrior I have ever known got killed by a piece of shit an like Elkie Bushwhacker. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I don't exactly. even know what Elkie means. I think she, I, it said Elkie? Yeah. Like E-L-K? I, I always thought it was Alky. I think that's, I think it was a bad subtitle. Yeah, we, we have the subtitles on. Yeah, I think it was a bad subtitle, because that's what I always thought, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, Alky. like Yeah, alcoholic. he's an alcoholic. And uh, she also goes on to tell him a little bit about the dangerous Black Mamba with some made-up facts.
1: More dangerous, according to her internet, anyway. Yeah. Uh, more dangerous than an elephant or, or a, uh, lion.
0: a lion
3: yeah I don't know yeah
0: but it's a hippo <laughs> uh, hippo is I the know. most most dangerous animal in Africa <laughs> because they're fiercely territorial and they kill things that get them into their territory they don't they don't chase you away they chase you until you die <laughs> oh, So man. yeah hippos very very dangerous. if you ever are traveling in Africa and you see a hippo stay away. <laughs> and So I explained her fun facts yes and, and uh, i do like the we this really <laughs> tells us that the movie takes place like in at least the late 90s because of the internet oh yeah and her having access to looking something up on the internet easily so i think we answered our question on mm-hmm. where it takes place there
1: so she whips out her very um vintage cell phone yeah yeah and again. Uh, <laughs> calls bill
0: yep and she's like bill um oh, i'm so sorry you know your brother's dead uh she beatrix put I uh, put a put a Black Mamba in his trailer. I like the touch there that it would make sense to, oh, yeah. you know, because she knows. Oh, yeah. That, it's a frame up. Right. And yeah, she yeah. knows that that's yeah, her code name. She knows that Bill would never let her kill Bud. No. So she can't just go and kill him. It also really sets up even more who exactly who Elle is. She is the typical samurai uh, kung fu western movie rival character. Oh, she's the heel. Yeah, yeah, she's the heel. The one that's that's more dastardly than the bad guy. The dark you know? reflection, yeah, so to speak. Exactly, exactly. Dark. And I think the the eye thing is a really great <laughs> example there because we also now are going to find out why she wears an eye patch. What oh, yes. happened to her eye?
1: Before that, uh she picks up the money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um she's getting ready to leave. She yep. opens the door. And uh, two flying bare feet hit her in the chest.
0: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's Beatrix. <laughs> Boom, and she yeah she she drop kicks her, flying drop kicks her, and then they have an just am- knock down, yes. drag out, break oh, everything amazing. in the trailer it's fight. It's amazing. It's It's got, it's got everything, it's, and it's uh, in this small It's old space. school Jackie Chan. Yep. I mean, they're
1: using everything yep. inside that
0: tight space. Yep. There's a great uh, – and, and they break everything as well. Man, and,
1: like Ella tries to, like, draw the uh, Hattori Hanzo sword. There's not enough room. Yep. And yeah. banging against the wall and <laughs> the ceiling is so good. Beatrix uh,
0: throws a freaking, yep. like – Oh man! She like... throws her through a fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs>
1: she throws that like she th- she throws the shit that like Bud spits. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. She throws the tobacco, the, crap. The tobacco yeah. juice all, all oh, the <laughs> tobacco spit <laughs> juice.
0: Ugh. Well, we also earlier there was the part where she spits in his face before when he captures oh, her, yeah. and then he spits the tobacco juice all over her face.
2: It's Like ugh. Oh.
0: But yeah, so now L is also covered in in tobacco juice, and and the bride and it's her covered in like dirt and yeah. blood, and the, it, Beatrix like like puts puts her face in the toilet and shit. <laughs> oh. That's a drowner. And I I also like to point out it's all shot very very well for yeah. you know action fight scene. It's uh, again just doing it the way it should be done. Uh, eventually. It culminates in them both ending up on either side of a hallway. Yeah. They're both on they're both on the mm-hmm. floor. And uh Beatrix knocks over inadvertently a, a caddy bag full of golf clubs and
1: Oh oh hey, you know, like yeah. what's there? That's a, a, a Hanzo sword.
0: sword. Yeah, because Bud was lying. He didn't actually hawk that sword, he kept it, and uh we see the inscription on that sword.
1: To the only man I ever
0: loved Bill. Yep probably the reason why he kept it because he just he still loved his brother uh, what did uh Torihanzo hanzo say for um
1: sentimental and aesthetic yeah, reasons aesthetic
0: reasons yeah very similar there and so now they both have a tori hanzo sword and it's time for oh man the sword showdown but I, before I this musical cue yes this musical cue is fantastic
1: a silhouette of doom from yep. uh, uh more morricone uh from the 1966 uh 1966 spaghetti western Un dollaro a testa, or a dollar a dollar a
0: head. A dollar a head. Uh, yep. More
1: famously known in the U.S. as Navajo Joe, yes. starring Burt Reynolds. Yep. Here's a little sidebar about Navajo Joe. Um, you have this weird movie where Burt Reynolds plays a Navajo tribesman. Uh, how does that fucking work? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but Burt Reynolds they did himself it. has said, it was so awful. Uh, it was only shown in prisons and aeroplanes <laughs> because nobody could leave. <laughs> I killed 10,000 guys, wore Japanese slingshot, and a fright wig.
2: Oh, God.
1: (laughs) And then eventually, uh, for uh, some other project, he won an Emmy in 1991. And during his acceptance speech, uh, Reynolds said, um, All these pictures, Navajo Joe they paid off you know. <laughs> he fucking hated Nav- he, did. Navajo.
0: he did i like how he kind of owned it though like he wasn't yeah. one of those people who like he made a j- he made jokes at his own expense about it as opposed to being like no one can ever see this you oh, know
1: man i mean bless kurt uh, burt
0: yeah Bert he's the man. man he was great rest in peace yeah definitely Actually, I actually, I was just wa- I'm telling you this earlier. I just watched the player recently, and he's one of my favorite little scenes in that. Just, it, it, he's his charm was so great, and and so it he played, he could play himself like no one else can play themselves. I mean, you know, he's
1: kind of he's definitely a dick.
0: Oh yeah, oh but yeah. Like, There's uh, some bad stories out there. I'm sure. But you make yeah.
1: that work. I mean, you make that work uh, when you cast him in things. Like exactly. there are a million applications for
0: that. Really. Exactly. So coming in, bringing it all back around. So you get that, you get that musical. Mm-hmm. We so also get, uh, oh, no, go ahead.
1: you get a flashback.
0: Yes. You get a flash flashback because I love this. It's, it's like, Hey, just between us gals. I love the way she says it. It's so good. She wants to, yeah, she wants to know why, what,
1: what did you say to pie? My, uh, yep. uh, to make him snatch the eye out of your head. I called him a
0: miserable old fool.
3: Be something I've always been curious about, just between us, girls. What did you say to Mei to make him snatch out your eye? I called him a miserable old fool.
0: I love it how she delivers it because it's like, oh, that's not even that bad. Like, and you wow. get the smash cut to her yep.
1: you know, training with uh, Pai Mei, and she's just screaming yeah. her and eye socket. She's you know, holding her she's eye. bleeding. Oh, oh, man. So
0: good. And, uh, and she's like, but I got the last laugh because I killed that miserable old fool. You know what I did?
3: I killed that miserable old fool. How do you like the fish head? Miserable old fool. I poisoned his fish heads. Take over to the cow. More easy. Or And I told them to me, the word of an old fool like you is worth <laughs> less than
2: nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. I killed your and you get another flashback to paime with holding his fish head and she's like i poisoned your fish head you miserable <laughs> old and again she said it's so great oh, and uh i killed your master i killed your oh, master just, just you know one of those keystone mm-hmm. tropes those match cuts there too of their faces in close-up are yeah, great as they're
1: brandishing their uh their katana mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you get just a little bit of the shine from the sword, and then they're, they're different expressions. It says so much. They clash, and Beatrix decides to take her other eye, because apparently <laughs> Pai Mei taught her that one, too. <laughs> he taught her oh, the old man. eye pluck. <laughs> and I, I was actually uh, like
1: debating with some friends whether or not that was physically possible.
0: Yeah, I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you could pluck someone's eye out. Maybe you could you could definitely dislodge it. Yeah. Um here's a quick here's my quick wrestling aside for the episode.
2: Oh, oh, it's Time! It's time! It's Vader time! time.
0: Uh, so in Japan there uh, was a match between a wrestler known as Vader, who a lot of people might know. <laughs> Yeah, and, Vader. Yep, Vader. And one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, the legendary Stan Hansen, hmm. who was did a little wrestle a little bit in the US. He was from Texas, but he was he was one of those guys who spent his, almost his whole career in Japan. They had a match where kind of on purpose, kind of accidentally uh, Stan Hansen popped Vader's eyeball out of its socket. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty, pretty rough. And Vader just pop, popped it back in and like started yelling at him, like, what the fuck? And then they just went back to wrestling. So You see, I, I, that says to me that that was probably scripted,
1: that they probably had that in their routine
0: according to both of them in interviews later it wasn't (laughs) i saw an interview with stan hansen like from probably like five ten years ago and the the guy asked him the question about it and he just went (laughs) and started laughing he's like well Well, that says to me that's just how
1: professional the two of them are exactly i mean like like i feel like most performances like you just stop but no, right pick up that no running. exactly you gotta yeah. keep going it was also <laughs> it
0: was in that era it was the early 90s so it was still the the, the kayfabe as they call it the era oh, where man. um nobody, you know you didn't you didn't divulge that the business was a work yeah. so like so like i i think in, and also in japan there's there's in wrestling it's it's known uh as working stiff i mean wrestling yeah. in general they call it working stiff Yeah. When, yeah there's in japan they call it strong style um strong style yeah where you throw in real kicks and real punches and (sighs) forearms yeah to really hammer it home but uh, both guys do it to each other so yeah yeah. invader was known for being a guy who who worked real stiff and threw lots of real punches and so was dan hansen so there's a good chance they just got carried away
1: yeah and and, i mean I'm, i'm They know what to expect. Yeah. They're both, you know, in the same line of work. Exactly. So. You know, in the end, it's just a job. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So uh, she plucks her eyeball out and she squishes it. Between her toes. Between her toes. Between her bare toes. Yep. And it's such a fake eyeball, but I love the effect. I love it. It's It's great. It's
1: pure uh, giallo.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, And. uh, And uh, I mean, it always struck me. She does not kill. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was exactly what I was just about to say. It's another thing that I kind of find strange, honestly, that she just leaves her as now a, a blind swordsman herself, a Zadaichi, mm. and, like, but well, she doesn't kill her, and I don't understand why, other than perhaps you could say that... She's going to suffer more this way? That's one thing, but also it's a bit of her starting to realize that it's... that. Not everybody is deserving of the revenge that she's trying to dish out. I think it's almost like an hmm. ins, an insult to leave her. It's like the, yeah. the if you go with that classic samurai thing of like yeah. you kill your enemy when you deny her, you know, a yes, swift death. She didn't give her and she didn't give her an honorable death or yeah. whatever, yeah. And also, um what? Oh, the snake thing too. Well what? no, no, what do you guys say it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She left her with this black mamba. So yeah, that, that's yeah. True. And she she's is stumbling pr-
1: around in the bathroom.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah, Good point. Good point. Uh, I also think, though, that it's it definitely is a shout out to that ideal of like she's not going to she at least very, very least I'm not going to kill you with my sword. You don't deserve to die by this sword. Hmm. Um, you deserve to die the same way that you kill people by, you know, a snake. And uh, a good. I think it's a good touch. It's an interesting touch, and you can definitely talk about it. So, again, a thing you could you left in the film to leave something open for for uh, discussion and for thinking about. So, but that means I hope
1: they worked out some of uh, their differences anyway. Uma yeah. Thurman and Daryl Hannah.
0: Yeah, I don't think they did.
1: They famously did not get along. No, and I we've think mentioned before
0: it was a lot of it had to do with Daryl Hannah thinking that she should have been. The big star, which I'm like, Daryl, I get that you were a star before Uma was, but at that time, Uma Thurman was a way bigger movie star than you.
1: Were you Mia Wallace in Pulp Fiction? Yeah,
0: no. And were you in Gattaca? And like, I don't even even know if that movie might have come out. And I think that came out before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But like, she was already a big actress. I think the
1: Ethan Hawke thing came and went by that point. Yeah, pretty much, (laughs) pretty much.
0: And I'm pretty sure, though, that like that was, uh, Uma was at like the top, whoa. Uma was at, like, the top of her stardom, whereas uh, Daryl Hannah was sort of
1: on her, I don't know, like, yeah, she was trying to mount a comeback.
0: Yeah, yeah, she was like um, the dude in uh, in Jackie Brown <laughs> a little bit. I forget his name oh, Forrester? now. Forrester, Robert Forrester. Where, but I don't
1: know, like Forrester, at least got some good work after that.
0: He did get some good work after it, but what I'm yeah. saying in the when he was. Oh, when she, he was, yeah. yeah w- it was yeah, like at she that was point of his career, kind yeah, of yeah, out yeah, of yeah, yeah. her, the heyday of her career. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. he was, yeah. And 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 she brought back to great effect in this movie.
1: Although Daryl Hannah really didn't get much after this. I'm no.
0: Think. But dude, honestly, from the interviews I heard of her talking about her relationship with uma not being good she kind of seemed like an asshole so maybe that had something to yeah, do with it probably has something to do but with it, it, then. it it comes across in the character so it, again <laughs> it makes it this really great performance from her that's snarling very like oh she's so like i'm so mad i'm number two to you and it, yeah. it comes through and it's great Just can't stand it yep so this next now we're we're definitely We've come to it yeah the we're, last chapter the final chapter Wrapping it all up. What's this one called? Face to face? Face to face. Yeah. And so before she goes headlong to Bill, we have a very interesting scene, which I think is one of the most important in the whole of the film. And it has one of my favorite songs, uh, Itumira, which is just a great song with some great classical guitar, some foot stomps, some, some chorus chanting and singing. And... Uh, I love this particular song, and I, I love the shift, again, the tonal shift from the desert to the jungle. And now we're in a totally different place. We're in a totally different world, and we're meeting with Michael Parks again. So,
1: so she was driving like off-road yeah, for that scene, right? I think that's the moment when she was asked to do that stunt herself. Really? I think that's the moment that's being talked about now when uh, she hurt herself.
0: Interesting.
1: And she was so angry at like Tarantino and uh, the producers because they made her sign something, basically absolving them of any wrongdoing for that.
0: Wait, wait, wait. You're gonna have to explain this more for our listeners. Okay. So,
1: um, as I, I think during the uh, press cycle for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and um, as a part of the Me Too movement as well, Uma Thurman came out to say that when she was filming Kill Bill, she had to do a stunt. On her own, she was told that uh, they didn't have, I, I guess, Zoe Bell available for the right. stunt. She had to drive off-road, but she had she was already trepidatious about it. The car veered off-road, I think she crashed into a tree, mm-hmm. and she permanently damaged her knees and her neck. Yep. And uh, I think this came out um, because of uh, Harvey Weinstein getting in trouble. I guess Weinstein and tarantino knew about this too once yeah. he made her sign something absolving the production for any wrongdoing in this uh stunt
0: accident yep and i know this also soured her relationship with tarantino yeah she was not happy with him at all after this
1: although during the promotion cycle for once upon a time in hollywood she kind of clarified where she stands with tarantino i mm-hmm. guess uh she's forgiven him and she's open to working with him again
0: that's awesome i'm happy so to that. hear that
1: and Tarantino. Um she made it clear that he has apologized profusely for oh, that yeah. over the years.
0: Oh yeah. And I, I mean it's it's one of those things that come it, it seems to come with the territory with making films, you know, there's a lot of a lot of like, no, we just gotta do this, we just gotta do this and, and people, you know dangerous stuff can happen, people get killed, obviously as we know in films and in 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 the making of them. But uh Yeah, that sh- again, that should never ever happen on a movie set No, it's just
1: grossly irresponsible
0: exactly that you know it's it's that that
1: shitty thing where like producers like you know a harvey weinstein would come in and make it shittier make a
0: situation like even worse right and all they're bringing selfish reasons right and they're people who all they bring to it is money and the fact that they can shut it all down without their money like so they're they're necessary evils if you want to make films like this and that's what's so awful about the Hollywood's, you know, system and it, you know, I think a lot of times in this podcast I try to cover films that try to break away from that or that are, you know, not liked by the Hollywood system because they do different stuff and a lot of those end up being the most memorable films of all time. Oh yeah. So, I do believe I I knew I know the story but I wanted to make sure the listeners heard the story because I know a lot of people didn't know about that. I read it when that first story came out with the Me Too movement, and was and honestly a little bit shocked at you know that Quentin would allow that to happen yeah, to and, one of his um, actors. I, you know? I remember
1: them doing like the press cycle for you know to promote both of these movies, to promote uh, Volume One and Two of Kill Bill. And it's weird knowing that during that time there's this really shitty situation between them. There's right. like bad blood between them at that right. time.
0: Exactly. So. After she drives and <laughs> and uh, gets to this place, we are introduced to Esteban Viejo, who, as I said, played by Michael Parks, doing his double duty. And, and yes, this was due
1: to Ricardo Montalban uh, not being able to make it to a table read.
0: Yeah, and Michael Parks doing an impression. A racist impression, I'll just I mean, it is problematic. yeah, problematic. Yeah. I mean,
1: racist problematic, like brown we'll, face. yeah, role. yes,
0: yes. we'll say it this much. He is doing a stereotypical uh, South American accent. He does it well, and I will say it's not like it's not Charlie Chan, you know, sort of levels of mockery. Uh, but uh, that well. doesn't matter when you, <laughs> you know you can you can be doing a tasteful blackface, <laughs> but it's still blackface. It's yeah. not okay. I'm so not sure it how
1: what this was. Like that, that accent was, uh, it's pretty rough.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it there, it's, it's like Quentin Tarantino thought it was funny at the table read, and, and he, since he was a dumb white Gen Xer, he never, <laughs> never realized <laughs> until too late that that wasn't something you should actually do. Like it was like, yeah, that's like something that's funny when there's nobody who's gonna be offended. But I mean, like, I, I, I would imagine
1: maybe, maybe he asked his buddy Robert Rodriguez, like, is this okay? Like, I would think Robert that was was like definitely trust him. yeah, do whatever you <laughs> yeah, want. put yeah, my yeah. song in the movie,
0: though. <laughs> um, but so it, it also, I guess, is also kind of a shout out to, again, the era of movies that he's taking from here, where you had a lot of white actors playing other roles. But, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, famously, um, you have uh, Charlton Heston playing a Mexican in mm-hmm. Touch of Evil.
0: Yep, exactly. But to kind of... It, take that out of it and just talk about the importance of the overall scene if we just wanna we'll just imagine it was Ricardo Maltabon. <laughs> it's again hammering home those themes of uh male male control, um a male a male household, quote unquote, so to speak. He is a uh ex pimp. It's he is an like. ex
1: pimp, but yet he still has you know, a bunch of uh, working women,
0: just yeah. still servicing him. Exactly, somehow. just around him. And but it seems like, like he like orders a drink, like he's th- like he doesn't own the place. You know what I mean? It's a yeah. weird sort of situation. And he also makes a comment about how Uma Thurman, if back in my day, you would have been my number one lady. Oh yeah, and
1: uh, I would have been more merciful than Bill. I uh, yeah. wouldn't have shot you in the head.
0: I would have cut your uh, face. I would have just cut your yeah. face and it's very like it's so it's so aggressive what he's doing he's definitely trying to exert his control and show his power over these other women by but
1: he, but he's passing it off as like you know this kind of
0: normal conversation charming yeah.
1: you know man of leisure kind of thing
0: right and then you know he has the he calls for clara to come over with to get the drink and to show beatrix that he has cut her face for something she has done um and that's that scene is so important to me because then he turns around too and goes uh i'm gonna tell you where he is though and she's like well why, why would, would you, you do, do that and yeah. he's like because bill would, bill want, would want me, me to too. do that yeah
3: yeah
0: and she's like well why i don't believe that and he's like because how is he gonna ever see you again Hmm. This was the first time in watching these movies, the, the, this movie, the many times that I've watched it, that that stuck out to me as much as it did. The fact that so much of what Bill does is a hope that it will bring Beatrix back to him. Yeah. Even killing her somehow is like erasing <laughs> yeah. erasing her from the world will somehow erase his pain, you know? Uh. It's such an interesting line and it's so it, it I mean it always it always stuck out to me but it it really means more to me now of, especially with the next scene hmm. with what Bill tries to do with her daughter and tries to almost convince her it seems like to uh give up the life of crime and play house with him. So I love that, you know, that line being the then the interlude or the transitional line to her driving up to kill Bill, because we have now arrived at really the final scene. Oh yes. and uh, Beatrix makes her way up to where Bill is living. She's uh, she's
1: got her gun ready.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that also stood out to me watching this. I was like, oh yeah, she hasn't really ever. It seems like she never used a gun.
1: Yeah, not really. No, but she yeah, knows this entire thing.
0: But she knows Bill's packing heat, so she's brought a gun. Which is interesting to me, um, and she she heads in, and she's looking through this you know spacious condo type place, this mansion or whatever it is that. I they'll... do
1: wonder if she's packing Heath this time around, because of her experience with Bud.
0: True, that's <laughs> a good point. That's a good point because yeah, getting getting shot maybe. maybe mm, <laughs> you know what? I might want to bring a gun this time, yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> just in case.
1: I'm not gonna bring you know my uh. My little knife to uh, this
0: gunfight, <laughs> right? And it, it fits into what it, what I was saying too, because yeah, because she had to go get a sword yeah. to fight a because she knew that they were gonna have swords, like. Yeah. Um, but so she comes in through this this mansion or whatever it is, and and comes through a doorway, and oh, it's her daughter, Lil little BB and Bill, and they're like bang bang, and they're like oh no, mommy got us, and they're playing dead, and. It's a charming little, it's a charming scene. But David Carradine was having fun in this movie. He is having so much fun. Every scene he's in, I feel like he's just, he loves what he's doing. You know, he's just like, yes, I love this movie. (laughs) Um, And so uh, I love that they have the, the, uh, another shout out reference back to uh, bang, bang. I shot you down, fall down, mommy, bang, bang. I shot you. And she falls down and, you see that Bill is living a very interesting life with his daughter. He has also retired, essentially, or yeah. he's tried to retire. Apparently. Yeah.
1: They're making sandwiches in the kitchen.
0: Yeah. Tells a great story about how uh, his daughter is a little psychopath and murdered she her took fucking goldfish.
1: A goldfish out of the bowl and stepped on and it. Stepped on it just to see what would happen. That is
0: what serial killers do when they're children. And she called it an accident. Yeah. 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 And she...
1: her uh, word choice was very specific. Yeah. She, exactly.
0: Very strategic. Um. As, uh, I, Bill says. I love that scene as well. All these scenes in here before she goes to to finally, you know, end it is are are so interesting and they're like it's almost like her allowing bill to have one last night being a parent or giving bb a chance to have one night where both her parents are there and they're not like they're just living like their regular family for like one night before one of them is going to die
1: kind of reorganizes uh beatrix's mission yeah whereas before it was just to kill all of these people that wronged her but it kind of brings it back to why she left right. Bill in the first place, right. and it's to get his, her to get her daughter right. away from this, uh, this psychotic kind of influence, exactly. this sociopathic like influence.
0: I wonder here though if it might have been better to see this movie without the line in the middle.
1: Yeah, and I think um, if this were cut the way that uh, it was originally intended to be. And it was just yeah. this four-hour movie. You wouldn't have
0: that interlude, right? And you would be just as shocked as her. Yeah. And I think that definitely took away from it a little bit. But I, I think they did it more because when they were put in that situation of releasing the movie separately, they were like, "Well, we need to give them a reason to come back." Yeah. So that's our that's our you know our tease for. <laughs> But yeah, that's your tease for your part two tease to get people back into the theaters. <laughs> but I, I think yeah, the film would have uh, would flow better, and would have it would make that moment mean so much more. Um, and like you said, it really would reorganize all of her priorities. And so when she tell tells that, you know, gives him that reasoning of like. Well, when I knew I was pregnant, I knew that you would claim the baby and and then it would live the same life I did. And I knew I had to run because it wasn't, a you know, up until that moment, I only ever thought about you. I would kill for you. A de- and then. Yeah, it was about her.
1: I don't life. I, I want I don't want this life for her. Right. You know, I right. want her to have a choice. And it goes back to. How hard it is to get away from this once you're in, like even after you've retired, Hmm. Everyone struggles with it in a different way, and everyone is struggling.
0: Exactly. And even Bill. Even Bill. Even Bill.
1: And so... I mean, he doesn't deal with his uh, <laughs> like his emotions no. in a healthy way. It's like, <laughs> like, like I'm going to go yeah. murder my ex and uh, all
0: of her friends. Yeah. He overreacted. <laughs> <laughs> he overreacted. Yeah. And I love her reaction to that. Yeah. Overreacted. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they uh, put bb to bed and bb wants to watch a movie <laughs> and uh once again we find out that yeah bb is probably going to end up just like her mom and pa because not not only did she kill the goldfish she loves super adult movies <laughs> that are all about killing including the lone wolf and cub movie shogun assassin
1: yeah and shogun assassin is specifically a 1980. 1980- English dubbed version of um, Baby two Lone Wolf and Cub movies. <laughs> yeah, basically, or... <laughs> it's the second movie in the Lone Wolf and Cub series. Yep. With bits of the first movie, so that you have uh, the context for right, right. With like you know flash, the characters, flashbacks,
0: yeah. basically.
1: And um, Lone Wolf and Cub, for those not in the know, is a uh, manga series. Mm-hmm. uh that uh and uh these lone wolf and cub movies are an adaptation of that manga series
0: yeah if you've ever been yeah. in like the in like the manga section of a comic shop and you see these really little tiny books it's in like like old school uh where they Takabon? yeah like really old school yeah they're like, they're little, like little, tiny. They're little squares Yep, they're like they're like 60s throwbacks they're great
1: and you know it's world renowned uh it's an epic about a stoic Ronin who uh is on a quest for vengeance with his toddler in tow
0: yep in a baby cart and i think that's actually the direct translation is baby cart
1: yeah baby cart on the river steps yep yep yeah exactly <laughs> yeah there's the some highway down if you have uh
0: if you have amazon prime there's a bunch of them on amazon prime so they're great i definitely and and i think uh because shogun assassin has the uh that great fight scene with the, the monks with like the basket Oh, yeah, things. yeah. Yeah.
1: The, the fucking uh, Yagyu clan. Yes, the Yagyus, yes. you know, it's the same kind of style as uh, some of the stuff from the House of Blue Leaf sequences. Oh, yeah, totally. lots of blood spray. Totally. You get, uh, you know, dismemberments all over you the know, place. You get decapitations. You also, he is the uh, Shogun's decapitator. Exactly,
0: yeah. Yes, because you get that uh, great, awful U.S. dub from the, oh, like, from 70s. The, from 1980. 1980, yeah. Yeah. Right. And uh, uh,
1: what's also, like, a point of interest is... um. There was this uh, American graphic novel that was heavily inspired by Lone Wolf and called called Road to Perdition. Yes. And that in turn was
0: adapted into a film. Tom Hanks. With Tom Hanks. Yep. I love that movie too. It's uh I like the 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 comic better or the graphic novel better, yeah. but I I was a big fan of that movie. Oh, and
1: Paul was... Newman is the crime boss yep. and uh, Oh yeah.
0: Daniel Craig is the good for nothing like mob family son. Yep, exactly. It's so good. So, uh, and that's also an interesting thing to bring up, too. is just, Vengeance. Um, yeah. <laughs> More yeah, vengeance. all of the vengeance in this, but also, like, um, that, really, that is kind of what Beatrix is about to become.
1: This is the environment that she's yeah. growing up in.
0: Yeah, and, like, BB is, is her, you know, baby in the baby cart now, and she <laughs> is the Ronin warrior. Because uh, I think another, you know, big theme there is the, like, Matt... Oops. I thought that was flashing um i think another big theme in this is that that ronin uh as they say the nameless warrior or nameless gunfighter type character uh like clint eastwood in the dollars trilogy where they're like almost omnipotent in their ability to kill bad guys <laughs> that get in their way <laughs> nothing can stop them Um, And they're like, but you you, throughout the film, you see that they weren't always like this. You get to see some flashback to when they were a regular civilian.
1: There's always some tragic event Mm -hmm. that sends them on this violent path.
0: Right. And so this is also her chance to flash back to being that civilian. And and again, you know, trying to live that life and realizing, no, this is only this only ends one way. This film isn't called Let Bill Go. (laughs) This film is called Kill Bill. And so when B.B. falls asleep, like right after the opening <laughs> fucking credits of Strogan Acid, <laughs> she heads downstairs and uh, we have the final conversation slash fight scene. It's almost like it's almost like a uh, mental fight scene. A little bit. A little bit. So Bill uh, shoots her uh, with a tranquilizer dart.
1: It's a truth serum.
0: A truth serum. Yes. Yeah. Um, right. Called, sorry. Uh, what was it? The I, I undisputed meant like a, a, a Trank gun with yeah. Yeah, the undisputed truth in it. It's yes. supposed
1: to be twice as strong as a uh, sodium pentothal, mm-hmm. uh, pentothal. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But with a bit of euphoria, it gives you euphoria. Yeah. She's not feeling the yeah, euphoria. No, she's definitely not. <laughs> she's not feeling that. <laughs> definitely not. And, uh, he then goes on to tell her about how he likes Superman.
1: Being the worst ex in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so
0: I've trapped you at my house. Now I'm going to talk, talk about, to you about comic books. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about how Superman's a cool character. Oh, I mean, he no. He has this
1: very, um, very simplified view of yeah. You know this nerdy, I I don't even know if I want to call it, insight about Superman.
0: I think it, it's a bit like uh, Nisha. niche. yeah. Uh, it's a bit looking at the uber mensch talking about how
1: you know superheroes like batman you know secret identity is bruce wayne peter Peter parker Parker, uh you know spider-man's secret identity is peter parker when they wake up in the morning they're they're just these normal guys who have to put on a suit to become a superhero but But superman Superman, was born superman and clark kent is his secret identity is his false identity yeah and that's Clark Kent is Superman's parody of the human race— insecure, weak, and
0: cowardly. That's the part of it that I like. That's the part of the analysis that I, and I think that that's the core of what he's getting to. I don't know. I still don't quite know why he tells this story. Well,
1: he's telling the story to because this is how he views uh, himself, Beatrice. or he views Beatrix. Uh, okay. Beatrix, yeah, because he thinks that Beatrix is a natural killer. Or a right. natural born killer. I guess. Oh, so
0: she okay? Yeah. Right, 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 right. And she's putting on Arlene, Arlene uh, Machiavelli. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I forget what Tommy's last name was, but yes, she's yeah. putting on the fake suit and she's acting like the A normal person. Neb- yeah, she's like,
1: acting like a you know a normie.
0: In terms of the comic book analysis, I do love that that idea that Superman, Superman's Clark Kent is what he thinks human beings are like. Yeah. I, I like that idea of it. But the rest of that analysis, it's like, well, if you want to start talking about that, there's a whole bunch more. Yeah, we talk. Yeah, there's more the fact that there. Superman isn't Superman on Krypton is the first one that comes to <laughs> mind to me. But but I, I do think that that's an interesting interlude. And it's another one of those. It's a classic Tarantino. Um, it's a
1: classic Tarantino conversation. Yeah. It's yeah.
0: reminiscent of the like a virgin conversation from, uh, oh, yeah. you know, the pop culture references and stuff and the way that it it kind of feels like it's not about what's going on but then you you get later how it is or whatever um and so he has uh given her this truth serum because he wants to ask her some questions so once again worst again X. worst excuse yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: why did you leave me yep basically question <laughs> one yeah and the simple answer is um you know, uh, Kevin went over it a couple yeah. of minutes ago. The moment Beat- Beatrix found out she was pregnant, it's like, there's no way I want this life for my daughter. Exactly. And uh, you get this fun flashback to um, Beat- Beatrix in the past, mid mission.
0: Yes.
1: You know, finding out that she's pregnant uh, while she's in a hotel room, and then um, her target sending an assassin after her.
0: And then, yeah, oh my God, it's so well done. <laughs> I also love the little touch that if like it's so weird if it it's like if she had never found that out,
1: yeah, she would still be in that life,
0: yeah, exactly, or she might even be dead because yeah. dropping the pregnancy test is why she ducked down, oh yeah, you know it's there's so many interesting things there um i love I love that little scene too, and uh I mean you
1: know, um, there's a grander kind of thing in mm-hmm. the Tarantino Canon where he's definitely not an atheist like there's oh, some yeah, no. there's some weird like mysticism going on definitely like there's a weird sense of karma that mm-hmm. goes through all of his stories
0: yeah and there's like the like you know the the um the briefcase yeah and stuff where there's these bits of like deus ex machina that definitely seem inspired by like like is it christianity mystical
1: or... and then um i mean you know there's all sorts of stuff like that and this could be you know how it presents itself right Kill bill
0: Again, in Pulp Fiction, too, the whole quest yeah. of Jules becoming like a holy man and stuff. <laughs> Interesting, yeah.
1: And yeah, Vincent Vega is calling him uh, a bum. That's what a yeah, bum is. Yeah,
0: <laughs> a bum. But so uh, he asks her what three questions. Basically, they're all kind of the same thing. But it's like you know, when did you find out you were pregnant, and why did you leave, and and all that stuff. And again, it sort of feels like Bill's trying to come to an acceptance. But also, it's, again, reminiscent of the Vernita Green scene.
1: Yeah. They propose, or Bill proposes, that um, they have a sword fight on the beach as the sun is rising. Yep. Which very much is how, like, uh, the Miyamoto Musashi movies go. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So
0: classic. It's like, well, you already did the snow the snow one, yeah, so or, let's or, do or, the beach one. So it's one. like, are, yeah. are we going to get, uh, you know, the Musashi stuff? Exactly. And I actually, I mean, not to jump too far ahead to yeah. the very end, I do like how the movie doesn't end with, like, an elongated sword fight.
1: Yeah, no, instead it plays out like the Vernita Green sequence. Yep. And, um, you know, it happens very quickly as they're discussing, you know, how they should carry it out.
0: Exactly. Yeah, Bill tries to get the jump on her pulls his sword misses she she dot i love the dodge in the chair and then she catches yeah. herself with the 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 sword in the sheath and then yeah. pushes back
1: up and then bill you know tries to uh tries to stab her yep and she sheaves his sword that's so good and yep. in that moment
0: in she that opens moment opens him up yep and gives him the boom 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 boom, boom. 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 Five point palm exploding heart technique that you knew was coming, yeah. and I love it. The Pai Mei taught you the five point palm exploding heart technique. I mean, of it's, uh, it's he Chekhov's uh, exploding heart. Technique. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's the perfect way for it to end, and the quickness of it all. Their fight lasting so quickly, it feels like that classic samurai thing where it's like. And then they both are just standing there, and you know one of them is about to fall. Yeah. And Bill gets up.
1: It's an emotional moment for everyone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Bill, I love Bill, asks if he looks all right. Yeah. (laughs) And he uh, gets up. It's an emotional moment for everyone involved. He takes his five steps, and he falls. Oh, yeah. And Bill, yes, and Bill is officially been killed. So we are now at the end of the movie. We Get have a, a little f- epilogue. So yeah, you um, have a few little wrap-up scenes. BB
1: in a motel room watching uh, Heckle and Jekyll. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm glad you knew that was. That's great. <laughs> uh, which is also weird. That, yeah, why would that be on TV? Yeah,
0: well, they are in South America, I'm guessing. Oh, still. I guess, yeah. yeah. Could be something like that. But yeah, very weird thing to be on TV yeah, yeah. for that era, I don't think. yeah they're, they're watching, like, Boomerang or something. <laughs> okay. but, uh,
1: and Beatrix goes from um, hysterical crying to hysterical laughing.
0: Yep. And yeah, she's crying, laughing in the bathroom. And then uh, you also get a little thing of them driving away as... Well, because you get the character yeah. role of everyone who everyone was in part and, 1 and 2 yeah
1: all 10 chapters it's great i love it it, ha- it,
0: it re- he gets to show off some of the the best shots of those characters faces gives them all a chance to get their name up on the big lights and stuff i love that little every single bit. player who showed yep. up and we end f- of course with bb and beatrix and i think it's very interesting how the film ends here on her face Reminiscent of a film uh, that a lot of people know, The Graduate. Mm. The oh, way yeah. that her expression changes at the very end before it cuts. And it's like she's smiling and then it kind of drifts away. <laughs> and what are she filled with, I wonder, at the very end. it's.
1: I want to believe that it's belief.
0: I think it's a little bit of both. but it's A yeah. little bit of both. I think the regret is that, you know, she's always going to regret, like Bill says when he's described. Because another thing. Oh, she
1: asks him, like, did did it feel good killing all the people to get to me? Yeah. And the truth serum forces
0: her to tell the truth. Yeah, forces her
1: (laughs) to tell the truth. And she says, yes.
0: Yeah. I wonder, though, if the regret she feels is more about Bill. (laughs) <laughs> because I do believe that she, loved she still loves loves, yeah, level. yeah, and I mean the way that she she cries when she knows he's gonna die and stuff like it's it, she definitely is broken up about the choice she made, Damn. and it's interesting what Bill says to Bebe when Bebe's lying in bed before they go to bed, he says when he's talking about uh how he shot Mommy, he says, on that day, Daddy learned there's some things you do that can never be undone, yeah. And that's obviously a shout-out to the Emilio story, but it's also, he's saying that to Beatrix, too. Yeah. He's saying, choose. Choose. You could run over here and kiss me, yeah. and, we'll, and we'll just forget this happened. Or, or you'll kill me, and can, that's yeah. it. You can't undo that. Exactly. And so I think she is going to have a little bit of regret, but... He deserves to die. Yes, he did he deserve to, to die. die. And she will know that. And raising her daughter, and to not be like that, until maybe one day, someone knocks at her door, and it's Nikita in Kill the Bride.
1: <laughs> Let's get back to that idea in yeah. a minute or so. Yeah. Just going to go through how this film was released, really. Okay. Um, volume 1, which uh, encompassed the first five chapters, was released in American theaters in October of 2003. Yep. And Volume 2, last, uh, the last five chapters april of 2004 so there there was a six month gap yeah. in between these two <laughs> releases and um the reason why it was split in the first place was that nobody would distribute a four-hour movie <laughs> and also um harvey weinstein wanted there'd just be one movie with all 10 chapters with right. extensive cutting and tarantino wasn't even gonna let that happen no
0: of course not
1: And I can't think of a single chapter, not even, like, the anime chapter. I don't think I'd cut any of them. I think they're all essential.
0: Yeah, me too. I honestly... There's a
1: complete kind of tapestry Yeah, with all ten chapters.
0: Even the ones that, like, I would say would be closest to the cutting room floor would be ones I don't... They're not long enough. No. And they add so much. One of them is that diner scene we talked about where right when she gets out of the earth. Yeah. uh, It's a good good moment. It breaks
1: the tension. It's one of your ice cream moments. But to
0: me, that's one of the ones that, yeah, would be like high up on the list. Like, ah, that one can go. We don't need that. It's just a little scene. So I'm glad that that they got to keep more stuff in order to give you the full film.
1: If I were to cut anything, it would be the uh, Esteban Viejo stuff. But that's just me. Like I feel yeah. like it doesn't really add too much. I think, I... and I, I feel like it just kind of sends that part of the movie into a lull. I it do does thematically it... tie back into everything else.
0: True, true. I I can see I can see exactly what you're saying yeah. there. I I think it maybe it's also its positioning. Yeah. Um. It's. It's because it it only serves one narrative function aside from those other themes they throw in there to kind of round it out, and that's where's bill's house <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and so like yeah you don't in this film you don't need that i mean she hasn't needed to like go really recover much evidence to find out where anybody else is it seems like you didn't need to see her being like where's vernita green live you know like yeah.
1: and uh so you know besides those two um standard releases and i think it was released in western territories pretty much in that way volume yeah. one and volume two um The Japanese uh, version of Volume 1, which we've uh, referenced a couple of times Mm -hmm. uh, in the last episode. Um, It opens with a dedication to filmmaker Kenji Fukasaku instead of uh, the old Klingon proverb. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, there's more gore in the anime sequence. There's uh, slightly more gore in the um, Crazy 88 sequence. There's more stuff with the kid. Yep. And it's all completely in full color. Yep. So um, after the eyeball snatch, it doesn't switch. And that shot of the bride blinking before the color comes back isn't in there. Isn't in there. Yet. Yeah. So that's uh, kind of interesting. Interesting. And um, when the bride interrogates uh, Sophia Vital, uh, she cuts off the other arm. Yeah. It doesn't cut
2: away.
1: <laughs> uh, volume 2 is exactly the same in Japan. Interesting. And then there is that uh, one film version combining both the Japanese cut of volume one and volume two, um, cutting out the uh, epilogue from volume one and the prologue from volume two. And this cut is entitled Kill Bill, The Whole Bloody Affair. Mm -hmm. It was screened at uh, Cannes Film Festival in 2006, and um, it received a limited theatrical run at the New Beverly, uh, the theater that Tarantino owns, um, back in 2011. Wow. It was only in theater for, like, I think two weeks. Yeah, yeah. It
0: was the special screening that he put Hasn't, on for himself. was <laughs> not
1: screened anywhere else. It was supposed to get Man. some home video release,
3: and uh, it I just never it. happened.
0: I want it. Especially watching it like we did today. Yeah. I mean, we took, like, about a you know, half-hour, 20-minute break in between them. but like It's a more complete experience. Yeah, it totally is. Although in- I think
1: the whole bloody affair um, did have, like, an intermission
0: okay yeah. yeah i mean it is a long time to be watching a movie i People don't need
1: to use the bathroom man. i
0: mean even like seven samurai for its length isn't that long like um, <laughs> you know so i don't think i've ever i know there are some films that are that long or longer but i don't think i've ever actually like sat down and watched one of them
1: i think like three and a half hours yeah like once you break that like 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 you know 210 minutes uh if it's any longer than that you need an intermission yeah
0: yeah people have to go to the bathroom yeah. you know <laughs> people have to drink water just to get through that and then they Although have to I wonder
1: to if like you know with uh people binge watching stuff on netflix no i mean you still get an opportunity to go to the bathroom yeah true true
0: at least you can just, you can just pause it yeah. in that case but <laughs> 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 um
1: okay so those are the other versions now here's a question mm-hmm. do you think a sequel is necessary A sequel focusing on, uh, Nikki?
0: No, I don't think it's necessary. Um, I think it would be an interesting thing to work into another story. Yeah. But I honestly, it's, it's tough because like, I think it's kind of like what we said about, about Rufus and Jules being the same character. Yeah. Kind of seems like, a the bride isn't as... It wouldn't be the same sort of revenge story. So, like, I don't quite know how it would work. Which is also, which also makes me more interested in it because I think if yeah. you went with it with with that sort of angle, you have a, a different angle to look at. But I do think it's more interesting to leave it open.
1: I would say that, you know, if Tarantino were to do it, he's really good. Like a lot of really great artists with giving you the audience what he wants to give you right it may not be necessarily it may not necessarily be what you want but he gives you what you never knew you wanted
0: true true and he's really
1: good at that yeah but i would say that i'm not sure if i would want him to direct it it'd be really great if he wrote it
0: yeah it'd be, it'd be really great
1: to see him write for another director again yeah and i feel like he'd be game to do that because he's got this weird 10 film rule that he may or may not stick to
0: yeah i know well, when what is he at now nine
1: uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is number nine.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought.
1: And um, it sounds like, it sounds a lot like he wants to do a Star Trek movie, but then he's not sure that he wants that to be his 10th movie.
0: Interesting. I know I've heard the Star Trek connection for years. Uh, I really hope that he continues on the path he's been on his whole career and doesn't make... A, a straight sequel, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make any sort of thing. Like, in because I in, mean,
1: Kill Bill Volume Two, you'll see it listed as a sequel sometimes, and it's not because no. both films were really produced at the same time, with the same screenplay. Right, right. It was intended se- to be one movie. It's a
0: sequel because of the studio. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't exactly. really count.
1: And but, I don't know, like he's been on and off about whether or not he counts Death Proof as like an one of his ten. Movie. Yeah. It counts.
0: Yeah, it's a full movie it's like well, yeah and i'm sure then he doesn't count four rooms his well that doesn't yeah, count exactly yeah. like these shorts don't count yeah.
1: like that one scene that he did with uh sin- in sin city doesn't mm-hmm. count mm-hmm. those uh episodes of uh law and order don't count yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh all right well do you rank this as number one
0: for no. uh tarantino movies no.
1: No. No. no 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 what do you put above it
0: Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. uh, Reservoir Dogs.
1: Oh, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Huh.
0: Yeah, I actually put Reservoir Dogs up there over it. Um, and Jackie Brown, because that's my fa- my favorite one. So I put that. Yeah. I put it close to it, at least. Yeah. But I think just over it. Um, and then, for me, this one is like fourth or fifth favorite with Inglorious Bastards. They're kind of like. I kind of. Neck and neck. Yeah, and I've seen this one so many more times that like it's hard for me to just straight up say that it's better or worse hmm. in my opinion than Inglorious Bastards, which yeah. I've only seen 3 times, I think. Yeah. But it, the more I've watched that one, the more I like it. So, it's it's like I think it's a contender for his for his best film, but I don't think that it it doesn't do for me what Pulp Fiction did with similar like take on on genre films
1: yeah i would say pulp fiction is a more focused experience yeah and i think that counts for a lot i mean stylistically for an action movie you can't beat kill bill it gives you the whole smorgasbord you know gives you everything like every flavor pulp fiction though is a lot more memorable in so many ways it's a lot more focused and uh it's also this confluence of just all these disparate pieces coming together for this one time and you'd never get that experience again. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get, you know, John Travolta to do anything like that again. Right. He's exactly. too, he's too deep into, uh, Scientology. He's got some unholy deal with uh, MoviePass. movie pass. Yeah. Movie pass is pretty much undead now. It's like beyond dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yet I think he's still doing this thing where like they've paid him to make a bunch of movies that are supposed to be exclusive, exclusive to movie pass. I think he's stuck in that perpetual. And they're terrible too. Yeah,
0: was I think Gaudi was one of those, right? Yeah, 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 that was the first one. Yeah, it's awful. Too. And you know, it's
1: <laughs> another piece in the long line of like failures for Movie Pass. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like Pulp Fiction, really like Lightning in the Bottle in so I, many ways.
0: I think in a lot of ways, Kill Bill is the it's a stylistic turn for Tarantino. I think that his his films before it. And his films after it are vastly different. I would
1: say that he got the Grindhouse out of his system. Yeah. Between Kill Bill and Death Proof.
0: Yeah, that's a. Kill I feel Bill too. is his
1: idealized Grindhouse movie. Mm-hmm. And Death Proof is his actual, like, Grindhouse movie. Right, right. And it's funny because, you know, being part of that Grindhouse release, Rodriguez made the movie that he would want a grindhouse movie to be right which exactly. is never what a grindhouse movie is no it's never as good as what the poster looks like exactly that's the whole R- point Rodriguez made the poster tarantino's death proof he built in that disappointment yep. which is yep ingenious but <laughs> also like a weird experiment it's like you know does this is really work
2: yeah yeah <laughs> honestly yeah and I, it's uh, an
1: entertaining experience but it's like you go from slasher film and then you abandon the slasher film and you get like a muscle car movie. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> it's very, it's very strange. Yeah. And, and also I think that would death proof, uh, suffers from the theatrical release in grindhouse where they played planet terror first. Yeah. And so it's hard to like top that once you see the action yeah, over once the you top see planet
1: terror, once you see the fake trailers. Yeah,
0: exactly. And then you're like, all right, now we're going to slow everything down. I really felt like Death Proof should have been the first movie, and then you work your way up, and then you get the big, huge finale with Planet they're just
1: Terror. Bon- they're just completely bonkers. Right. So, I mean, all this talk about Death Proof, that's uh, number nine for me. Yeah. Um, as far as Tarantino movies go.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 No, I, number I, I,
1: eight, and I'm not just being mm-hmm. cute, um, I would say Hateful Eight.
0: Okay, yeah. I
1: like it. I really do. Um, I like, you know, every. I, I, there are things that I like about all of his movies, but <sighs> he put so much work into Hateful Eight. He um, specifically wanted to shoot it in like 70 millimeter Panavision. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, you <laughs> know, like it looks gorgeous, it but it's also like this closed room mystery movie. It's and like, why did you why shoot it, it in Panavision? Yeah. Why, why in Panavision? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it comes off like a, a stage play, a good stage play, but it comes off like a stage play. Yep. And that's yeah. just kind of disappointing.
0: It definitely. I love. Uh, was it Bruce Dern? Is great in that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, he's really um, great. Obviously, Sam Jackson's fantastic. Walton and
1: then, fucking Goggins. Yep, <laughs> <He's> so good, <laughs> so good. Uh, Kurt Russell. But yeah, Kurt Russell. Jennifer I w- Jason Leigh doing stuff that you mm-hmm. never thought she'd do, mm-hmm. and she was really good.
0: But yeah, I just it didn't. It did. It definitely to me. It's a yeah about the same there. I would I would agree eight. <laughs>
1: Um, and most folks would probably like crucify me for putting this. Soul Reservoir dog. Dogs is next, I bet. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I really do. I mean, we wouldn't be talking about Tarantino without it. Exactly. <laughs> but um, I think every movie that I haven't listed so far is better than Reservoir Dogs. It's more every movie from that point on. It's either more refined or more stylized. Right. Just right. more. I feel like Reservoir Dogs is a good sampler.
0: Yeah. Okay. I definitely rate it higher just because I think it was all. I it's kind of like uh, what is it, Days of Being Wild? Yeah, where like you're just like, damn, what a what a first movie, you know?
1: Yeah, and and rewatching it recently, I'm like, wow, this is actually like I I remember really loving this, and it's actually a lot better than I remember it even. Right, and um, just really solid performances across the board, and such a good like debut movie for a new director at yeah, the time
0: exactly and i just think he really he
1: was like in his 20s at the time and yeah. it's another one of those things where i'm like fuck what i've been what have yeah, i been I know, doing right?
0: you know in my life <laughs> yeah by this time he'd already made
1: several movies by this like... time like he's made reservoir dogs he's made pulp fiction <laughs> like what the fuck um next up uh, number six for me is jackie brown
0: okay it's i can see that i i rate it higher i yeah i always say this i, I don't think it's his best movie but it's
1: it's very good. Yeah, it's one of my favorites to and, watch. And um, it's very restrained in a good way. Yeah. Like, it's actually like Elmore Leonard's favorite adaptation of all of the film That's adaptations awesome. of his
0: books. That's awesome. I actually I, I've got a soft spot for Get Shorty. Yeah. But uh, I was also a big fan of his books when I was a kid. Both my parents are really into uh, mystery novels. So I read a ton of his stuff when I was a kid. And uh, Rum Punch, which is based on is a really good book. And he does. it's a faithful adaptation, too. Yeah. The I mean, whole thing with the time, the, the scene where they're, like, going into the mall at different times, it's yeah. from the book. That's awesome. Even at, yeah, he writes, like, the times into the, it's great. Oh, yeah, man. It's it, it's highly detailed.
1: And I don't know, like, it's a heist movie in that, um, where the heist, I mean, the stakes are relatively low, but the danger is real.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, in <laughs> It, it definitely, like, it cultivates a very different feeling, I think, than a lot of the other films with having the two main actors be, you know, like people who have passed their prime yeah. and dealing with that. And it, also...
1: it's got the same thema- thematic size as Kel Bell. Yep. It's like, what do you do after retirement? When's the right time to retire? Exactly. When do you get old? And like, you know, Robert De Niro's character is just really sad. It's like, he's, he's just useless now. Yeah, exactly. Like
0: <laughs> you used to be beautiful. You used to be beautiful. <laughs> but, oh, uh, so what's number five?
1: Number five, uh, Inglorious Bastards. All
0: right.
1: Like, the more I watch that movie, the more I appreciate it. Yeah. And um, like anyone that's listening to this, I hope you've already seen it, but it's, it's that spoilery moment. Yeah, yeah. That plays against all expectations that I mm-hmm. absolutely love. And it's that message that cinema can literally change history. Yep. Like they use like she uses like nitrate film to burn down the building. Exactly. To kill like Hitler and all the exactly, Nazis. Exactly to destroy. You know, them. she's using art. She's weaponizing art to kill fascism. Awesome. I mean that that's that's powerful stuff. Exactly. Film and like the more I think war. about it, the more I really appreciate it.
0: I also love how another like sort of uh side theme or whatever smaller theme in that is the the um Nazi propaganda star of the films you know the former yeah. the the young soldier and his way of looking at it and i that honestly bastards is probably 4 or 5 for me too as i said and uh it's it's a rollicking good action movie and but it's also like a great period piece but it's also uh it just it does so much in its, in, in its uh, scope is like Kill Bill. That's why I really think this was like, he took what he did with Kill Bill and he's like, now how can I do this? With more control. With right.
1: more, um, more restraint. Exactly. Yeah, with more focus.
0: Exactly. So what's number four then?
1: Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: Oh. I'm not going to go into detail. Content redacted. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: You can bleep that part out. No. Um.
0: Then they'll, uh, they'll, they'll all know, f- know what it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll talk about it more once uh, most people, once more people have yeah. seen it. Yeah, uh, give it like a year. Maybe we'll do another yeah, episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Django Unchained would be number three.
0: Wow, I rank it high.
1: I love my spaghetti westerns.
0: You d- uh, yes. <laughs> um, you, you have to.
2: <laughs> I.
1: It's become more of a thing now. I would say, uh, with like that Nat Turner movie that came out a couple of years ago, like I really, I really appreciated that. Um. I like slave revenge movies. Yeah. Like, it's a yep. weird exploitation genre that, like, I don't know. It's just really satisfying. And You've when you mix that with spaghetti westerns, it's, it's a perfect
0: match. Exactly. You've seen a uh, ducky sucker, right? Yes. Okay. I figured. Yes. It was like, if, you really, if you're <laughs> that into it, then you must have. Yeah.
1: And um, it's just so good. And that mythological element that, like, Dr. King Schultz really mm-hmm. appreciates about Django's story, like, you feel it. Yeah. You know, it's this yep. odyssey through the antebellum South exactly and you know and you see all the ugliness you see a lot of like you know this weird kind of beauty to it too
0: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's definitely like that one uh, shot
1: of dr king Schultz like shooting you know that slave driver yes yeah And then yeah, you yeah. see like his blood it's just that isolated shot of his blood splattering on the cotton plants yep oh and yeah that, that just stands out That's exactly just beautiful stuff
0: we did a little bit of that in uh in uh bastards too with like the way that um the nazi imagery yeah using that too as like showing how beautiful and how mundane parts of france were but while you know what's going on in europe you know there's all this horror going on yeah exactly
1: uh number two
0: Kill Oh,
1: boy. oh uh, it didn't get number one. Number I knew one. it wouldn't.
0: Yeah, we know what but number one But there's is. definitely more to talk about. Than yeah.
1: You know my number one pick, Pulp Fiction. But so, like Pulp Fiction, I can pretty much recite Pulp Fiction like minute for <laughs> minute. <laughs> That's good. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I have and, seen uh, that one I, a whole bunch. I, I doubt like Tarantino could make another movie that would outrank it. Like in my heart.
0: Yeah, I think it's a perfect storm of, like, everything, you know, and I think every time, anytime there's a, a great director or writer or whatever it is that creator of films like this uh, I th- that have, you know, a small body of work to look at and yeah. all their films are, like, event-like films where everybody's talking about them and shit, there's always one that everything they do is derivative of. Yeah. And whereas, like, it's like Reservoir Dogs definitely has a bunch of stuff that he used later, but Pulp Fiction is where he, like, found his stride.
1: I think it's where he found his stride. Um, I think, and, and, you know, my list is obviously completely subjective. Yeah. If I were to be completely objective about it, he's made quantifiably better movies than Pulp Fiction, you know, after Pulp Fiction like movies that are more focused, mm-hmm. movies that have more to say, really. But um in my heart like pulp fiction is number yeah.
0: one. Yeah. I think you can you can always draw it it back to pulp fiction too. It's like it's I it's actually the first one I ever saw of all of his films. So that I think that's another thing where if I happen to see their most acclaimed or most famous work first i'm always in a state of being like yeah it's not as good as that but that's really unfair i think to the movies because he's not trying to just make pulp fiction again i think when you catch lightning in a bottle or whatever like that and you get so lucky and and everything just falls together and you make this movie that just people are talking about it and they want to see it and this is your second film and all of a sudden you're you know skyrocket in into being one of the most acclaimed directors in Hollywood and it, it's very similar to Kubrick yeah the way that everybody was like well that's Tarantino he's th- his films are different you know and like it, I it, I really think it's uh, a pat on his back that he was able to continue to make films that didn't he didn't blow up his ego too yeah, much, you know? he
1: didn't... Well, I mean, depending on who you ask. Yeah, well, he did blow... <laughs> that's why I said too much. He did blow up his ego, definitely. But not so much that
0: I think that he... Like, you know, he could have gone on to make a bunch of, like, really bad movies yeah, yeah. after that, you know?
1: And um, he's improved over the years. Like, he doesn't... Mm-hmm. He actually learns from things that didn't work. Yeah. I think the biggest kind of up. If you can call it that, is uh, death proof, but yeah. he succeeded in what he tried, what he was trying to do. But I also
0: think again that wasn't necessarily a film like you know his other films yeah. are. It was like a pet project. It was an experiment, and at the end of the day, it was like, well, you know, that's <laughs> what you that's what you get. So, all right, so, so this uh, is uh, it's yeah. been a long, long episode, two episodes. But uh, I think we're about ready to to finally wrap it up. What's your uh, What would you rate this film on a five? I'm gonna I'll just give it to you now. So listeners already might know this, but mm-hmm. we have a five star rating here. But it's actually more than that. It's uh, zero through five, including four point five. So uh, and three point five. So, it is either a zero, which means mm-hmm. the film is so bad that you stopped watching it. Uh-huh. A one, which is you finished the film, but it's so terrible you'd never tell anybody to watch it. Uh-huh. A three, which is it is an average film. 3.5, it is an above average film, but it's not good. Four, is it is a good film, but it is not in the canon. 4.5, it is a great film, but it is not in the canon. And five, it is the best of films. It is in the canon. Everyone should watch this film. And... Technically, there's another rating, 6, which is for only the greatest movies ever made.
1: It's a 5. It's a solid, solid 5. In fact, um, I would say there are maybe 3 or 4 Tarantino movies that are 5 or 6.
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I this give this one's a, five a 5 as well. I wouldn't go as yeah. far as
1: giving it a 6, but it's a 5. Yeah.
0: I give this a 5 as well. Yeah. It is definitely in the canon. Everyone should watch this. Uh yeah <laughs>
1: yeah i mean if you're a fan of action at all
0: definitely action because you
1: get every flavor of action yeah that and you don't you.
0: you don't even have to be into the films that it is inspired by because it's inspired by so much that like if you don't like kung fu films well like there's only a few minutes where you're gonna worry about that if you even care about that you know it, it moves so quickly on to new things that like you don't like westerns? Well, it's only like a western. It has other aspects that will make it less stale or make it less, you know, boring if you think westerns are boring like you I think that that's another really important thing about it. It just has something that it has something for everyone, really. Yeah. Again, call back out to to French New Wave films, you know. It has comedy, it has drama, it, it has action, horror. it has horror, yeah. yeah. It's all over the place, but it I think even though, yeah, we were saying like you know, Inglorious Bastards and in films after, he's kind of controlled that style. I think that's what kind of makes Kill Bill the top out of all his newer films. Is that it, it? It he allowed himself to go a little bit over the line, and that really can be you know you can I, dislike that, but I think yeah, he, it, it's interesting too.
1: I would roughly say that, um, and you know it's. A very rudimentary breakdown. Right. There's, like, early Tarantino, you know, where you got Reservoir Dogs through Jackie Brown. You got these stories of um, criminals, relatively low stakes, and you just get days in their lives. Yep. And these, like, ridiculous, pulpy situations that they get themselves into. Right, right. Then you get the exploitation Tarantino, which, you know, I would say, you know, is Kill Bill and Death Proof. I didn't even Kyobo go as so far be- as bastards is borderlining. Though, bastards, though, I think, is the beginning of a different era for Okay, him. it's border. It's like it a cusp. It's revisionist history. Yes, true. It's like with that, with um, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, not gonna get too deep into that. Um, with uh, Django, in some ways. Well, definitely, you, definitely. You get revisionist history, and um. I mean, I would maybe fit um hateful eight into it because it's it's that spaghetti western thing where the history isn't exactly 100% and it's about so much of uh hateful eight is about white guilt yeah. and manipulating white guilt. Yep. And how that comes in like these different forms.
0: And obviously bastards is <laughs> very revisionist history because yeah. you know hitler dies hitler dies and,
1: you and, go into a world <laughs> war Two movie and you never expect to see that yep because exactly it's gonna be like oh you know how's that fucker gonna get away this time right but no no he gets machine gunned in the face yes in a burning theater. <laughs> yes and <laughs> and so
0: does like gehring and goebbels and like all yeah, of like they, the they take out. They're yeah gone. they take the them all ends yep it's basically like <laughs> art ended uh, the war well, there's that, I know they made a movie with Tom Cruise on it. There was Operation Valkyrie. Yeah. Where a bunch of Nazi like, like, uh, yeah, you know, this is military pretty, guys tried to kill tense, him. This is pretty tense, you know?
1: But it's like, they're not going to get him. They're yeah, not going to kill exactly. him. exactly. You know, know he's going to get no him. There's no tension. Yeah. <laughs> the we tension d- isn't like, okay, you know, how, how are these uh, rebels going to die?
0: Right, right. And honestly, when I first saw Inglourious Bastards*, I was kind of like, eh, about that. I was like, that's weird. Yeah. It's just because I wasn't used to that in a movie. You're usually like, well, they always follow the history, though. They may, or at least the history everybody knows. I was like, in
1: shock. And I, you know, for a couple of days, I'm like, is that the right way to really end a story like yeah. this? But the more I rewatch that one, I feel like it's ingenious. Yeah. It's ingenious. It's, it's a really powerful statement.
0: Well, on that note, I think it's time to wrap this up. We've gone we've gone longer actually recording. It won't, I don't think the episodes will be that long, but they might be longer <laughs> than both of the movies. But that's okay. That.
1: We didn't even get into like the shared universe theories, but I don't think we need to talk. about Oh, we can that. always we, do an you, episode, yeah, a you second can, episode. you can. You can probably find that stuff yeah. yourself. Yeah. We can
0: always come back and do a, another episode where we talk more. <laughs> we never know. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll do a sequel to the Skill Bill ourselves one day well Jeremy I want to thank you so much for coming by yeah, and being thank you on for the having show. me yeah I also want you to come back for another episode because we got to do an Infernal Affairs episode that you proposed before I would love to do that and watch the Infernal, Infernal Affairs movies yeah
1: now uh, we'll, we'll see how it works out yeah like, don't I, have... I, don't think, I don't think we'd watch those together because it's like a six hour trip
0: mm. that's fine no yeah, no we, no, we don't have to see we, yeah, we can watch about. them and then come yeah. together yeah but, yeah, and also, you talked about another idea that I like to do about time travel movies.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever have time. Maybe maybe yeah, when I but we could maybe still when do, I retire and I'm filled could, with a certain R. We could still do
3: yeah. an
0: episode, though. <laughs> just an episode and talk about time travel movies. But I would, regardless, even if it's just on another Tarantino movie, I'm definitely going to have you back on. because I love talking to you. You're a great guest. Oh, so. shucks. Oh. So thank you for coming on, guys. Thanks for listening, as always my movies better please like share and subscribe and all that stuff that you should do probably but don't feel obligated or anything and uh as always good night good luck go fuck yourself and have a great night yeah, peace out